Hello and welcome to the Mostly Star Wars podcast. Today we are going to be talking about The Last Jedi, so episode 8. Uh, we, we are all here to talk about that, um, have a little bit of differing viewpoints, so can't wait to get into that. Now uh, we have our normal trio of, of uh, hosts here. We have uh, Crazy Q, Quentin. Hello there. And then we have mostly Darth Tyler. I always like whoever you introduce, whoever we introduce first, always gets to use the hello there. Hundred <laughs> percent, it's the best intro ever. <laughs> and then uh, we got myself, uh, uh, mostly Martinez, Josiah. However, today we also have a very special guest. Now this person is known across the nation, not only for his photography and videography skills, and he's known in all the different circuits and automotive fields, but he is also uh, very passionate for Star Wars. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my good friend, the man, the myth, the apex legend, Rory, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Dang, that was quite the intro. I wish I would have thought of like something to, you know, say better than, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> that is I'm perfect. doing good. I just get, I'm just getting over COVID, so I sound terrible, but I'm here. Yes, Chugged some Dayquil we... right before this and ready to go. Excellent. Yes, we are. We are super thankful that you still decided to come on. Uh, even going through COVID. Um, so yeah, we're super excited that you are still here with us and uh, <coughs> that you are with us here in the council chambers. So um, as we do with all of our guests, we like to get to know a little bit more about you uh, when it comes to Star Wars. And so we're just going to jump right into the questions here. So the first one is, what is your first Star Wars memory? Uh, that one's probably, I remember going to the re-release re of the remaster back in, what was it, 1998, 97, of um, Empire Strikes Back in movie theaters with my parents. I was like six, seven years old, or eight or nine, I don't remember. But nice. yeah, I remember going at midnight just to watch watch it on the big screen, getting to see the original Empire Strikes Back was like mind-blowing it was awesome yeah yeah for sure that is amazing that's that's and that's definitely like a, an amazing first movie to fall in love with star wars um but yeah so uh let's jump into the next one why do you like star wars kind of goes along with that first question but what made you fall in love with star wars man i just i've always been a fan of like anything sci-fi so cool ships and like lightsaber battles and lasers like draws me in instantly and i think just like the the massiveness of the possibilities of the Star Wars universe, like it's endless. And I love that we're like getting to see so much of it now. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to jump into your favorite of the trilogies. So, you, what is your favorite of the prequel trilogies? Favorite of the prequel trilogy? I mean, I'm a big fan of. Episode three, I think, is probably my favorite. Just especially just like that intro, the battle mm -hmm. over Coruscant. Like, can't beat that. And it just tells 
the whole final arc of the story of Anakin's turn to the dark side can't beat it. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Good choice. <laughs> All right, um, favorite of the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back for sure. Nice. Can't. I mean, I saw it in theaters. I had it on VHS. I don't remember <laughs> if I had the rest of them on VHS, but I played that movie on repeat like so many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. All right. So now, favorite of the sequel trilogy. Mm, man, it's so hard because I love them all. They're all amazing and so good. <laughs> and I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. I really do love the sequels. Uh, man, I mean, honestly, The Last Jedi probably, the one we're talking about today. So I'm excited that I got to hop on for this one. Force Awakens was like pretty mind-blowing to see. You know, we I don't, I don't know if I told you I went to the marathon so we watched all of the movies in theaters up to force of awakens at midnight and that was yeah. awesome and i loved it so it's a it's a it's a close tie i think force awakens did, last jedi for sure did you do uh the one <clears throat> at the theater on 16th street no we went to the the promenade in westminster oh okay yeah, nice. yeah it, it, it did not smell great in there after like 18 hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'd imagine not that <laughs> and everybody's like in like their jedi or sith robes uh either that or pajamas yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man very good all right and so last question favorite character all right uh, favorite i had to Wars i had to pick an obscure one because it really is my favorite and i hate that we didn't get more of it but bendu is by far like one of my favorite characters like, i just pull. love the whole concept of him and i like hate that we only got like two episodes of rebels with him like i really yeah. want more backstory on him like there's there's nothing out there but i just love that he's like middle of the road he's not a jedi or anything he's not sith he's you know the the gray gray force sensitive user so like he i'm always been the middle I think he says something along those lines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely my favorite character. You said you were hoping you were an obscure character. I think we have at least one chatter who was hoping you were going to say Dex was your favorite character. (laughs) I know. I I was thinking that too when you were saying someone obscure. (laughs) I I was thinking about it because Dex is pretty awesome, but I don't know. I got to go with a force user. There there you go, Seth. We threw some Dex in this podcast for you. Mm -hmm. Is Seth watching today? Oh, that's oh, great. The uh, YouTube channel. Man, yeah. So uh, thank you for telling us a little <clears throat> bit about your story. Um, I, I know a lot of people probably resonate with a similar story. Um, all, all, all of us are kind of around the same age. So I feel like a lot of uh, our coming into Star Wars and, and uh, the reasons why we love Star Wars are kind of similar, you know, like kind of around our age group. And so it's always awesome to uh, hear somebody else's story and be able to uh, remember all of those things as well. But without further ado, I know we're all anxious to start talking about The Last Jedi. And we left off on, like we said the last podcast, we left off on a literal cliffhanger. So we left with Luke and Ray literally hanging on the edge of a cliff and no words were spoken, uh, just lots of different facial expressions. 
That's one of the things I like about this movie because unlike pretty much any other Star Wars movie, this one picks up immediately after that. Like, there's no time. There's not really any other two movies that don't have some kind of time gap in them. Yeah. And so this, it's kind of interesting to just like, okay, we're just moving on. We're just, the story's continuing. Yeah. I think the only other time we get something like that is Rogue One into A New Hope, right? That's the only time we get like leading right mm-hmm. up to. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's quite the visual, visual change for sure. <laughs> yeah, but whenever I finish that movie, I instantly want to watch A New Hope. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about The Force Awakens. You no, no. Well, when I finish The Force Awakens, I, I don't immediately want to watch The Last Jedi. No. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I think we should talk about... So... I, well, I guess where do you where do you want to start? Uh, let's let's go with uh, our guest here. Where would you like to start talking about this movie? What initially made you like drew you in when you started watching this movie? Mm, man, that's a good one. Um, I have to say, I'm uh, I'm with a few people on the intro. I didn't love you know the whole slow crawling bomber scene, but I did I did like you know. Uh, Poe calling out Hux and just messing with him over the comms. Like, it was funny. The, it was a little cheesy. Chat issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was entertaining. But when he hit the booster on that X wing and just goes straight for all those turrets, like that was pretty sick. Like, yeah, that was, that was a solid opening opening spot. And then mm-hmm. and then the bombers kind of just yeah took me out of it a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I want to <laughs> know what uh, Tyler and Quentin think about this. But so that that conversation you talked about uh, with Poe and Hux, I think that it was comedic gold at the beginning. But I feel like it went just a tiny bit too far. You know, like I think they pull, they held that joke a little too long because at the beginning, I, you know, I would like laugh out loud, you know, but then after it like continued on a little bit too long, I think that's where I was kind of like, Oh, the guy a little cringe. I definitely agree with you. And I think right where, where it gets a little too much is right at where he says, I can hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> and it's like, see, it's just a Verizon commercial. <laughs> no, I, I thought it, I thought it was hilarious because because Brennan and I do that to, to Tyler all the time when we're playing games. I'll be like, Tyler, we can't hear you just like as a joke, even though he's talking to us. And yeah. that was, that's like that's our life. I'm like, I could totally see that. And I feel like it, it it speaks to to Hux's pride that he didn't understand it right away. That that someone mm-hmm. would do this to him, like this is a serious thing, right? And I thought like actually yeah. that was a decent like military strategy. Yeah, like he's totally got him off guard in this. In this mm-hmm. And the long and and why not keep going? Right, like, like maybe as a joke, it gets old. But as a strategy, if it's still working, if it's still irritating and bothering and confusing your opponent, I, I why not keep at it? Yeah, that's <clears> true. That's true. And I, like, like, I like that point of pride. Poe. Oh, yeah. Hux has uh, got so much pride. Oh yeah. Hmm. Poe has a lot of uh, growing up to do in this movie, though. 
that's one of the mm-hmm. one of the great things about it. Uh, gets demoted. So, yeah, because <laughs> he knows. Because uh, Leia tells him, well, one, a BB-8 says, I got a bad feeling about this. And Leia's like, I'm with the droid on this one. And then she tells him to call off the attack. And he just turns Leia off. Look at the pride in Poe. He turned Leia off. Because he thinks he knows better. And so I, I just I like, like that and how that his story unfolds throughout the movie. And because because he just ignores that, and a lot of people die. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> even even later, again, she she tells him to call off the battle, and nobody listens to her. That's the weird thing. Is like everybody who's out there in the bombers and the fight and the fighters listens to Poe. Nobody listens to Leia. Like does nobody respect our princess anymore? Well, I mean, you could see, you could see that um, during the mutiny later as well. Uh, even Carrie Fisher's own daughter turns against her. So, <laughs> you know, like, well, she, she turns against Holdo. Right. Nobody turns against yeah. Carrie when she when she comes back. When 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 it's Leia that comes back and stuns Poe. Nobody's nobody's against Leia. Yeah. Well, I mean, Leia is the one that you know ha- had her in charge, and then later you can see her respect well, uh, that she had for command. her. Well, yeah, but there's more than that when you they have the communication. She doesn't say like, "Oh, good job, Poe." You know, she says, "Bad Poe." You should have listened yeah. to Holdo. You know, yeah. And it, it was more the respect, and I think Leia still understands like, you know, it breaking chain <clears throat> of command is if if it's for the right reason is okay. But I think this go, we'll we'll talk about it later. But I think this goes around to the same thing that, you know, all of these characters you have to kind of sh- slowly you know, take away their importance of the films because they're passing on basically their mantle to the new characters. So it's kind of similar with Leia, I think, in this one too. Yeah, you get <clears throat> into the uh with that with the disobeying Leia and it's almost like the this movie is about learning those lessons it's about uh, failure and and learning what needs to be done and the right way to do it. And like you said, there is a a disobeying orders is the right thing. But the point Leia was trying to make was because she says to him later that because uh, he goes, there were heroes. Heroes are dead there that died there. And she goes, dead heroes, no leaders. Because yeah, exactly. no one... No one, and I like the point because when she says no leaders, she's specifically talking to him, calling him out for not doing the right thing and not being the the leader and not knowing the right way. And so she's trying to train him. And and that's the thing that's kind of cool with Poe's whole story arc in this movie is Leia is trying to train him and he doesn't even understand that that's what she's trying to do. She, she's trying to train him to become the leader that he needs or that he can be and he doesn't even know that that she's mentoring him yeah and ace pilots ace pilots are always hotheads like you look at maverick and top gun and i think even luke disobeyed orders when he was piloting the x-wing didn't they tell him to to 
cancel his attack, but he was like, no, I can do it because his, uh, his little hologram thing got all messed up and he had to do it manually. So targeting I think it's, yeah, his targeting computer went out. So I think it's just a, it's an ace pilot trait. They're, they're just hotheads. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. And I feel, I feel like it's one of those things though, too. Part of it was, you know, a, a touch of bad luck, I guess you could say. And Poe was used to not having bad luck. You know, he was used to, you know, everything he did was like liquid gold, <laughs> you know? And so then hitting this mm-hmm. and then, you know, it, once again, he still did what he set out to do. He wanted to destroy a threat, you know, that he thought was, you know, that but could what good be, did it do him, really? A, yeah. And well, yeah. And I guess either way, but yeah, what I was going to say is so the chain reaction of all of those different bombers blowing up, you know, that, that wasn't, that was a little bit of luck, you know, and if they maybe wouldn't have been so close together or the, the way things that happened either way, what the, my point is, is if all of those didn't blow up, then he wouldn't have been rebuked and ridiculed the same way. You know, he would, they would, you know, maybe a, a slap on the wrist or like, you know, that was a really risky move. And it's like, when have I not been risky, you know, type thing. But I think because of the fact that they, you know, lost so many, I feel like that's why something had to be done in that specific situation. So it was because he wasn't successful. It wasn't because his plan was bad, per se. I think it's it goes back to the fact... The plan wasn't bad. The bombers were bad. Yes. I think it goes back to the fact that that (laughs) what she's trying to teach him is that... uh, he made it just fine because he's an excellent pilot, but that doesn't, not everyone is like that. And his, his, he was able to risk himself and he survived, but not everyone did. And that's kind of the point. A lot of people died because he wanted to continue risking things. And he has to realize that not everyone is at his ability and needs to be a leader. Not even his ability, the abilities of the, of the vessels that they're in. You know, not not every. I'm I'm not saying just I'm not justice on the bombers at this time. I'm talking like anything. You know, U wings aren't as capable or as fast as as nimble as A wings. It's every every starfighter is different. So <laughs> it's not just the person's ability. You gotta take in consideration every every craft's ability as well. And yeah, and they only the had one cruiser like and space. a. One cruiser and and uh, that many, however many ships can fit in that cruiser. But this, the first order shows up with three, four star destroyers, and then the uh, uh, the dreadnought. It's is like it was a losing battle. I mean, there's just and that I think that was the point that Leia was trying to make is obviously it was a losing battle. You lost a lot of people that could still be on this ship to help protect it later. Yeah, I think, though, like, when you look at, like, all of the battles in Star Wars, especially, like, the space battles, I feel like this is the first time where somebody talks about how many were lost and the somebody gets in trouble for it. Because, they're, you know, if you look at any of the other battles, tons of, you know, ships are going down, you know, which is who knows how many credits, you know, that they're losing every time when those ships are destroyed. On top of it, there's actually people in those ships. And nobody's like, oh, man, like all the people we lost, you know, they just celebrate the victory. Because once again, 
you know, kind of bringing up my same point again is if he would have been successful without all of the bombers getting destroyed, I feel like they would be celebrating. But I think since that happened, you know, it, it kind of changed. And in I will I will give that um, a, a positive point in this movie that that is one of the also like it's one of the scenes to me that is different. It's something new. It's something fresh that we're not used to. We're used to going into battle, being successful celebration, you know, like almost all the time. And then there's, mm -hmm. there's never a focus on the death, you know, even in the clone wars, no on one's focusing cost. on, uh, like no one's yeah focusing on all the costs uh, for these different battles. No one's focusing on, you know, how many like, you know, clones died, how many Jedis died. The only person that mentions anything is Yoda when they said, oh, yeah, it was a victory. And he's like, victory? Victory, you say? Like, no, it was mm -hmm. not a victory. You know, he's the only one that was able to see the big picture, at least, you know, through through the script anyways. And so I think that is something different on this, and it does kind of actually make you think of the different people. So then when you have, uh, you know, the different characters here, and then when you have the two sisters, you know, it it pulls at your heartstrings a little bit because you're thinking of the actual people in there, you know, not just, oh, the ship died, you know, oh, the ship got destroyed. You're actually thinking, okay, there's actually people. Leia looks down at the screen and she's not thinking of the ships. She's thinking of the people. Mm -hmm. So once again, it like, I do like that they brought that up in this movie that like isn't very common in other movies for sure. Yeah. I was just about to say like in cinema in general, like, everything seems to always work out. And I kind of liked that this movie played a lot on things not always working out. Like that was, seemed like an overarching theme is that like almost everything went wrong. And, uh, you know, I know we're going to talk about Canto Bite in a little bit and their whole mission failing completely. But that was one of the things I loved about that is it was a long shot and it didn't work out. And I think that's I something think cinema in general needs more of is more risk, less reward. And and I always these are uh, this movie's a little bit darker, kind of like Empire Strikes Back. And I think it's always funny when you see was one of the movies. It takes a darker turn, and every and the and good guys don't necessarily win. They always say it's the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy, just like uh, Infinity War was. That's what they compared Infinity War. They're like it's the Empire Strikes Back of the Avengers, and so and that's kind of what this movie is. It's it's but it's also asking the question of like is this right and and this movie also it, it tells normal stories that you would expect but then it also but it puts a star wars idea on them and then but then it asks is this correct but then in the third act, and that's where you get with Luke coming out and saying, yes, all of this, it, it's validating all what you thought Star Wars is. And and mm -hmm. that's just, I just, it's just <laughs> one of those things about this movie. I like this movie because if you really pay attention, it's one of the few that you could straight up get a moral and a lesson out of, kind of like the Clone Wars how they would always have morals and lessons at the beginning and and they just and then you'd understand it as the episode went along well this one has that it has the lessons it has uh 
Poe needing to learn to become a leader. And, and that's his journey. Finn always wants to run away. That's what he wants to do. He's, he's a coward. He wants to just run away. And he has to learn to face that. But then he also has a, a moment of uh, when he's talking with uh, DJ. And he says, you know, you don't join because they're good, the bad, it's all the same. And he has to realize, well, you know, it does matter if you pick a side. And he has to make that choice. And so, and, and then you also have uh, Luke and what he did. And he, he's kind of been uh, sulking in his failure. And he has to learn that, that exactly what Yoda tells him, you know, you needed to teach them failure. Failure is the greatest teacher. When you fail and you learn from it, that is the the greatest teacher there is, really. And that's what the lesson of this movie is. You can sit there and watch this movie without having seen any other Star Wars movie and understand that. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> movie. I So I'll take a break from that, and we'll, we'll get into that later in the movie, but I did want to do a special shout-out. I just saw that my mom is in the chat. So, hey, mom, thanks for watching me talk to my buddies about nerd things. Uh, appreciate you. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I think now hey, in the movie, I think where there's a little bit of confusion, though, is I would have liked leia to i guess stay firm in her conviction about the whole situation um because then immediately you know there there's you know there's the emergency and then you know she tell because she had just told him you know you can't solve everything you know by jumping in a, a x-wing and blowing stuff up or whatever and then immediately after he says permission to jump in my ship and blow things up and she said permission granted so it kind of just takes back what she just said you know where she could have you know been like no i'm i'm trying to teach you that you know you can't just go and do that let's make a plan and let's you know you know stick to this plan or whatever it might be but it was kind of just like oh well that you know that uh what do you want to call that that advice only works in certain situations that advice only works, you know, after you fail at a mission, you know, but you know, it doesn't work always because sometimes, yes, that is the, you know, that is the right thing. The, what she's <laughs> talking about though, is, is help, trying to help him be able to discern the right way and the, and getting in a ship and blowing things up immediately after might've been what they needed to do at that point. And so, but, but you need to, that's what he needed to learn is the difference of when to and when not to. Okay. Thank I have you. to stop again. I don't want to start a fight. So a big <laughs> shout out to my dad too. So my dad is also in the chat. So my mom oh, and dad, I appreciate you being here. Uh, thanks for watching me nerd out. Hi, mom and dad. Uh, shout out to, to Seth's comment. Quick, tell us something embarrassing childhood stories about Josiah while he's not looking. <laughs> so let's hope we get one of those. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I liked uh, what Seth said earlier. He said, uh, this movie is about divorcing yourself from the way you used to think about Star Wars and put it under the microscope. 
And I agree that that the movie asks that question. But the third act says, yes, this is why we love Star Wars. The whole third act is, yes, these are the things we need. Maybe the galaxy needs a legend. Yeah, I want to touch and, back on the, the Leia thing. I feel like the, the lesson is, you know, don't just jump on an X-Wing and blow things up. Like, he, you know, don't push the attack when it's going to risk all these lives. The second time when he asked to jump on an X-Wing and blow things up, that, that is to, to defend the fleet, to defend lives. If you think about it, if he had made it to his X-Wing and blown some stuff up, they might not have destroyed the bridge and, and killed Admiral Akbar. So uh, I feel like there's a difference in, in a hot-headed attack and a hot-headed defense. And that's what he was going for the second time was, was a defense. Not, not to push the attack and get others killed, but to, to defend them. Yeah, and there's, hey, there's good, a difference good there. Good positivity. <laughs> Look don't, at him try. On me. Look at him try. He's really trying. <laughs> Look, we got this positive guy over here. <laughs> don't even start uh, reading my notes. One thing, one I thing, like... I just wanted to go back to on the the bomber scene. Did y'all notice mm. that the dreadnought has a periscope? Yes. Like, why? Why does the dreadnought have a periscope? Like, it up and I, I get that they were trying to go back to like the World War II like submarine and slow moving bomber battles, but like they way overdid it. Like did not need a periscope. Was... <laughs> Sorry, I just had to I had to say something about that. <clears throat> I love this movie, but no periscopes, please. Uh so one thing I like I kinda wanted to move to like Snoke and Kylo's conversation because I think it's really good where Snoke is basically criticizing him look at you were beat by a girl who's never held a lightsaber before and I think I think it's all funny because everyone that complained about that in in The Force Awakens, everyone who said, how did she just get up there and she beat him and all that? And Snoke is literally, like, chastising him because of it. He's basically saying what everyone thought. And, well, can we, and so... If we're, if we're gonna go down this route, can we talk about how, how Snoke just looks like a, dis, a disfigured gold member from Austin Powers? <laughs> tell, me, tell me I was wrong with that note. No, he, he definitely, he definitely down. does. The gold robe, too. The gold, the gold robe on the throne and like the, even the color of the skin looks the same, but his whole know. his whole vibe is pretty sick though. Like he's he's got it going on with the robe and like the red room. He knows what's up. But yeah, but he's chastising him for everything that everyone has complained about in the last two years about Kylo getting beat up by a, a girl who never held a lightsaber before or even knew what the Force was, and <clears throat> I just. I think it's kind of interesting because what Kylo says to Snoke, he almost says it in an exhausted kind of way. He says, I have given everything I have to you, to the dark side. And he, and he said, I killed Han Solo. And Snoke says, and the deed split you in half. And and that's where you can kind of see the conflict. And this whole this whole movie, there's a lot, lot of good Kylo scenes in this movie. 
and you can you can kind of see the conflict and the <laughs> what are you smiling at just saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably thinking about Ben Solo. Oh, man. Can you oh, blame God. him? So many good scenes. Uh, yeah, he has so many good scenes. The, uh, but you can, this is like the beginning of the conflict. And you can see him get angry because Snoke just says, you're just a child in a mask. And I, I, I like this because it does actually show progression of Kylo towards the dark side more when he's destroying his mask because basically what he was saying is you're just a little boy pretending to be Vader with by wearing that mask and how about you go out there and become Kylo Ren and, and that's that's kind of what and I think that's the whole idea of destroying the mask because he doesn't need it it's just his facade so that he can pretend to be Vader So, uh, I will get on a little bit more to that as we move through the movie. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that. Uh, I just loved, like, Snoke pulling Kylo to the ground, like, through the hologram. Or, uh, oh, Hux. I mean, Hux. Hux, I mean, like, I really, really like Snoke. When he's... I, like, I hate how, like, quickly they got rid of him. Like, I would have loved to see more of that. But, like, mm -hmm. that whole scene when he just takes him to the ground like from a hologram that was just so sick yeah or when he's when uh kylo goes to stand up when when he's talking and he just lightnings the floor and sends him back on the ground right just not he's even like trying. no no don't <laughs> even yeah don't even get any ideas <laughs> uh that is that is kind of sad I, so I was reading Seth's comment over there. He says, I love how this movie at least tried to knock everyone down a peg to rebuild them. Again, it's about creating your own legend. Stop praying to Vader's mask. Be your own person. I do like, I, I like that. I like that lesson. Um, I do feel like Kylo's mask is sick. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> And so, like, I hate that, like, in all the movies, like, it's it's almost like a constant thing, you know, like, it, he doesn't have that similar fear, you know, to, pe like, to the average human, you know, when he's walking through like Vader did, right? The only time people really got afraid was when he was, like, throwing a temper tantrum, <laughs> which is kind of obvious, you know, they'd, like, be like, oh, shoot, you know, he's angry. Um but, like, for the most part, it wasn't just, like, walking by and people were, like, you know, d just gave that fear, you know. And, and, like, he did have that look, you know. And I love, like, his cape, too, you know, that, like, was, wasn't was symmetrical and all this type of stuff. And I feel like, so, the first time you really get it is uh, with with Ray, right? I'm pretty, yeah, with Ray first, she, you know, t basically kind of, like, disses the mask, right? So he takes it off. And then Han later says the same thing, you know, take that thing off. You don't need it. Right. And then Snoke then disses his mask too. And I'm like, what's up with all the hate on this mask? Like, this is an awesome mask. You know, it's like nobody, nobody wants to give it any love. It's like, everybody hates it and wants him to take it off. It's cool. Which I but kind like of... It totally shows him he's, he's a poser. Like he's, he's trying to be something that he's not. But like I also, 
I also like like if you get into Rise of Skywalker and he rebuilds it, he's like, Nope, I killed the bad guy. I like this mask. It's my mask. I'm rebuilding it. (laughs) I like wearing the menacing mask. And yes, the mask, yeah, is more, it gives you that a little bit more fear like you're talking like Vader did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and then Kalani said too there, she said, there is something ominous about not being able to see who the real man is underneath. And that's totally true. That was Vader. Like, everybody was, like, it was, like, such a, a crazy thing to not know who is really under there, right? So or if it's even a man. Layer. Or if it's even a man, right. And so I think that that was something Kylo, and that was, once again, something with the interrogation that I thought was crazy, is, you know, he's trying to intimidate this girl, which, obviously, Ray was not going to be intimidated no matter what, but, like, that he quickly took his mask off and showed that he's, like, a pretty boy. You know, like now that he got like the cut across his face and chest and everything now, like, you know, if you took off the ma- his mask and you see that he's like partially disfigured, then you're kind of like, oh, OK, like, you know, he's even scarier underneath or whatever, not so you know, pretty anymore. But- what I didn't yeah. realize when I was rewatching it is this time his scar goes like halfway down his chest. Yeah, too. It's it goes, like- yeah. And the other thing is like. His pants are almost up to his mid chest. <laughs> yeah, I and love the, honest, the carbon fiber bandage that they put on. Like that, that looked cool. Oh, like that, that was, is sick. I, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I need that in real life for the next right? time. Get a big scar, carbon fibers <laughs> all the way. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> I, I will admit, I did not until I saw this movie for the first time. I did not mm-hmm. know Adam Driver was jacked. <laughs> Dude is huge. You got a new crush? And swallow. Yeah, self saying you don't pay Adam Driver's fee to keep him behind a mask the whole movie. True. It's a fair point. That's funny. Also, I read the comment from B saying that his temper tantrums wouldn't be as menacing if he wasn't wildly swinging a lightsaber. That is a scary, a scary sight to see. Someone just wildly swinging a lightsaber, cutting through anything that's in front of it, destroying computers and parts of the ship. Especially that mm-hmm. lightsaber. Like, yeah. So much more menacing than just a regular lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Even when it's yeah. not on, it looks scary. It's thick. It's a thick boy. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, so like, thick. when he is, like, destroying stuff, right? Like, it's such a it's such a cool scene that you don't see in, like, any of the other movies as much, except... Um, when they're trying to uh, go through the blast doors. But when, like, you can just see, like, the heat, like, that radiates from these sabers because, like, there's pieces of, like, metal and, you know, like, yeah, like, molten metal just, like, dripping and stuff, you know? Like, oh, it's, I do like that. And all the scenes where he's just, like, chopping up random control panels, like, it is pretty cool. Yeah, I will say I do love his lightsaber. And I just I remember the internet freaking out when they're like they changed the lightsaber when the when the trailer came out for Force Awakens, and I might not have liked it at first, but I I think it's pretty pretty awesome now. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely a fan. Yeah, and it's definitely menacing. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't even have to do he doesn't even have to hit you with it. He'll just hit you with a little side piece of it. 
Well, that's what he did to, to Finn in the first movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he hit himself. When they were, when they were himself, pressed right? against each other, he, tur- no, he turns it into Finn's shoulder. But doesn't he do his own shoulder, too? I don't think so. He, he has a... He he, has it, a got, it got close, but I don't think it actually did. It might have, like, think... melted from the heat. Oh, maybe. <laughs> that might have been what it was. Hmm. Uh... I, I don't want to say that I want to like look at him without a shirt again, but I do want to see if he has a. I'm pretty sure he has a scar right there. So someone find a screen grab real quick for for Josiah's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Josiah can see Ben Solo some more. Can you blame him though? I mean... So we kind of move uh, to the island, and. I remember, I do remember the first time I watched it when Lucas handed the lightsaber and he tosses it. It was a little cringe for me when I saw it. I was like, but the last couple of times I've watched it, because I, I got seen the movie multiple times, I know like where he's coming from and his ideas. And it's not even, it's not, I don't even laugh or anything. It's just, Okay, it's just I, I understand, and, and it's I take it in all the seriousness that the character meant it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the only way that you can do it. To be honest, and that that's the only way that Mark Hamill could do it. You know, he's he's constantly like vocalizing the fact that he hates what they did to Luke's character, and he just basically had to say okay, like, I don't agree with this at all. Like, I like the character that I know and love and have portrayed my whole life would never, ever do this, would never act this way. But, like, you're the director, and so because I'm a great actor, I'm going to act the way that you want me to act. And so I think that's why a lot of times some fans, like, disagree, you know, with that whole plot. And it's reasonable if even, like, some even Daisy Ridley she's came out and said like she didn't agree with some of the ways that she was portrayed and told to act in different scenes, but being a good actor, following the director, believing in the director, she played the character the way and that she was supposed to. And I think that's why, you know, I, I never hate on specific actors, you know, like if they're told to act a certain way, you can't hate on them for reading the lines that they were told to read you know, or acting mm-hmm. certain ways that oh, they're yeah. told to act. So I definitely don't do that. And I, I think now that we're kind of getting to this point, I feel like it was, it was really Ryan Johnson. He did an amazing job making a movie. And there's a lot of things in here that I really love, but I feel like similar to the first movie that what they did to Han Solo that cuts me to the core, they'd now do to Luke. And so just like Luke, it does bother me. It, it it bothers me. Just like Mark Hamill. It bothers him. To this day, it bothers him. And it bothers me too. And I think that I think I have I my feelings should be validated. Uh, it bothers me what they did. Do you want him to do a, a remake, a remaster? <laughs> okay, so one thing no, I will no, real say... quick. I think like the thing that Josiah is talking about is like there, there was a lot of interviews about the movie coming up before it even came out, and like Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnston both were talking so much about like subverting expectations. And I think mm-hmm. 
that specific point they tried so hard to make it like a shock factor moment and like it definitely pulled me out of the movie a little bit but like when i thought about it i'm like okay luke went to this island to be in solitude like he he went there to like get away from people and then this random chick shows up with a lightsaber his lightsaber and gives it to him and he's like i don't want this and chucks it like that side of things i get it but i wish they had like done things a little bit like filmed it differently or you know had a different gesture or something like that so i kind of wanted to say uh what your your point was about his his story especially in this movie luke's story i will say that that was jj that's jj that wrote that because jj is the one that put him on an island solo and nothing and ryan johnson had to figure out why a story of why luke has been secluded and away from everyone for all these years and why it took an entire movie to find a piece of map to find him so jj wrote him onto that island and ryan johnson really just had to come up with a reason why he was there yeah no yeah i i I totally agree with that and the um the making of this movie that comes with like the the box set or whatever it's really good and i think anybody who doesn't like this movie should definitely watch that because you're gonna find in your like more respect for especially ryan johnson but all of the other people that are involved i think you'll you'll at least respect what they were trying to do like you said so he even says in, in that uh the documentary that his very first thing that he did was he like took all of the characters and basically said okay like you know what is their story you know where are they at now where are they gonna go what difficulties you know can i put in their path for them to overcome and like you were saying this movie does have a lot of that it has a lot of obstacles and then people being triumphant over those specific obstacles and i think he does really good like he does good with poe he puts something in front of poe that he didn't experience in the first movie and he has to overcome it and same with a lot of the other characters but i think just the the one catch there is luke because we know luke we love luke luke is like a hero and a legend and then when he says, hey, this is what I want the character of Luke Skywalker to do, and then the character who's played him his whole life says, I would never do that, and then he says, well, you're going to do it anyways, I think that's <laughs> that's where there's the issue. You know, like, if someone's like, I would never do that, well, you're going to do it anyways. It, you know, I, I feel like that's the part where the story gets a little bit off the rails, and I think even Rory you know, who loves this movie, he can at least admit that they could have played his story out differently to show him more respect, more honor, and and at, at least, like, make it more, a little bit more believable. Yeah, or, like, I, I think he, he missed the last third of the movie. Because... <laughs> uh, no, he, I, I, he shines, I saw it, and he, he died, and he shouldn't have died. He should have survived. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does the most Jedi thing ever, becoming the legend that he is. And I think a lot of people, you know, you don't live happily ever after. Life isn't like that. And and so, in, but everybody is bad. 
Everybody's like, he's really bad, movie. though? <laughs> he's not bad. He's not bad. He just even, realizes even the he says, the he says in the movie, to, to Ray, you feel that? The light and the dark? It's balanced. And he says, for the Jedi to die does not mean the light will disappear. That's that's exactly. vanity, is what he says. Yes. Just because the Jedi don't exist doesn't mean the light is not here in the Force. The Force still exists. The light will still be there. And that's, so, that's where my, my biggest problem with this whole trilogy is the fact that, like you're saying, it's not it's not Ryan Johnson's fault that you know, he was left on an island. That's where he had to start writing. But why was it not the entire story written out before filming even started? Like, why did one director make a movie? And then, okay, now it's your turn. You write where he left off, and you figure out what, what you want to do with it. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that one, Q. Like, That's, like, my I, biggest I hate my that biggest they flip-flop the between directors role. on that. Is, I mean, a complete, I mean I, I, I'm okay with different directors of different styles, but the story just was put together as it went. Like, that's not how you write a good story. You know? Yeah, and... When, I'll, when, when, I'll, you, when you get to the end, you're gonna be like, well, this doesn't quite fit right. Let's change a few things at the start and kind of make it flow better. And then that's just not... You can't do that when you've already made two movies. Now you got to make a third. And now you're writing the third to make... And I mean, obviously, with the... I can't remember who it was. The original director for episode nine changing... And him having a completely different script and JJ just completely changing everything means that you know they were they were just doing it on the fly as they went. You know, they were making it up as they went along. That's one thing I always thought was interesting because I've always read the reports that said what because JJ initially told Kathleen Kennedy no that he wasn't gonna do it, and that she asked him who is Luke Skywalker. And they that's what made him convinced him to do it and then he just wrote Luke Skywalker on a island and let someone else answer that question yeah so so I, I don't understand where where his thinking was with all that because if that was what made him want to do it why did he not write Luke more into uh into the first movie, The Force Awakens. And, but here, the Luke is, uh, I think, let's see. Seth said, this movie takes the Jedi off their pedestal. Examine the ways they were wrong. Luke spent so much time of his life wanting to reach that place. And once he got there, he felt like it backfired on him. And we discussed this in, from the Return of the Jedi. Luke had the conflict of bad, or, or wanting to go to the dark side. And in that moment, the moment that he failed, think about this. The guy saves Vader, right? Okay. So he thinks the baddest dude in the galaxy is good in him. And he saves him. But what if he could, instead of saving him at the end of his life, gone back in time and killed him before anything happened. And that's where Luke was at with Kylo. He was like, you know, I could save millions upon millions of lives if I just kill this one kid. And But that's not the right thing to do. 
and he even mentions it, and that's where he failed him. And he says that he was a fleeting moment, and and like like a second, and it was gone. And he realized, no, that's that's the wrong thing. But then the last thing he saw was a frightened child whose master had failed him. Yeah, I see the comment there that Luke's actions create Kylo Ren. I don't know if that is like necessarily 100%, but like it definitely like tipped him over because he talks about like Snoke had already gotten to him and he had already, you know, seen hints of the dark side. But yeah, like, he looked in when, into when Kylo saw that lightsaber above him while he was sleeping, like that's that's the tipping point that sends him off to the, the dark side right there. So yeah, he, absolutely like totally sent him over the rails. Because maybe maybe Kylo's or Ben at this point is having those conflicting thoughts as well about the temptations of the dark side. And he's thinking, All right, my master's going to kill me, so those must be the thoughts that are those are my that's my destiny. That's where I belong. <clears throat> and that's where he makes the choice to chain to turn. And so and I can see Luke. I can see him and him realizing his failure and the reason why he doesn't want to train any more Jedi. And and it's it's actually really good because he feels responsible for everything that's going on in the galaxy. And that's kind of why he wants to let the Jedi die because they're obviously to him they're not helping he says he, he makes the point uh, when now that the Jedi are gone they're romanticized they're deified but if you strip down the legend and look at their deeds in the height of their power they let Darth Sidious rise create the Empire and then it, and then he says it was a Jedi master that was responsible for the training and teaching or creation of Darth Vader. That's wrong because Sidious who created Darth Vader. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, that 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 saying that a Jedi Sidious. master is responsible Sidious. for for creating Darth Vader is like saying that Luke is responsible for creating Kylo Ren. The same mm -hmm. reasons that you. Said that okay, it, yes, he wasn't completely responsible, but it's the same thing. Like Luke didn't create Kylo Ren; he tipped him over the edge. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Is like okay, but you, and then you're missing. That's what you're missing the, the part. Edge. You're yeah, missing I don't the think part. Obi Wan tipped him over the edge, but you're missing the part where Ray says at the end there, and she goes, "Anna Jedi who saved him." So yeah. she's she's pointing out that. Okay, yes, you messed up. She's trying to get him. Okay, you messed up, but we need a we need a, the galaxy needs a legend. We need you now. It doesn't matter what happened, really. And that's when you know when she leaves and Yoda comes and and Yoda's like, "Yes, why did you stop? You needed you needed to be teaching them about your failure." You need to teach them about this moment. Yoda's basically saying, I failed. You understand that I failed and that that's why you think the Jedi should end. But that's what you need to be teaching. You need to teach that failure. So and you, then, said, you said 
you thought that Luke feels responsible for everything going on in the galaxy, but really it's Sidious because you know somehow he's he returned and he's still around, actually controlling the strings <laughs> of this entire thing. So somehow he's still he's still responsible mm-hmm. for everything in the galaxy. So uh, throw that in there. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think the other thing to think about, you know, when when you think of the, I guess like the whole story of all of it. You think about Yoda and you think about Obi-Wan, right? And when, because a lot of people say, you know, similar things to like, it's not that crazy for Luke, you know, to go, you know, into isolation and stuff because of, you know, feeling like he failed and X, Y, Z. But there's a huge difference there. Both Yoda and Obi-Wan went into isolation with a goal. They're... Yoda's goal was he knew that eventually there was going to be hope. He already seen it, you know, happening, you know, and so he he had a mission that he was going to do. And then Obi-Wan, he was protecting Luke, which was the hope. So either way, both of them, they weren't just like, oh, I'm going to let the galaxy like deal with all its problems that do nothing. Their whole goal was to prepare the next generation who would be able to, you know, bring balance eventually. Um, but I, I think that's the difference in this one. They make it like that Luke left, didn't want anybody to know where he was and could care less, basically, anything that would happen to anybody. There was no hope. He didn't have hope like, oh, like I failed, but, you know, whatever, some other niece and nephew or some other force, you know, sensitive kids are training and, you know, in 10, 15 years, they'll be powerful to do something. He was like, I'm there. I give up. I don't want to do anything. Have no hope. There is no hope. No one should have hope. So that's the difference from Yoda and Obi-Wan. I I don't, I don't necessarily agree because that's his whole point of if the Jedi die does not mean the light will die, does not mean the hope will die. Exactly. The that Je- balance the Jedi, will still exist. I think he's saying he's when when he talks uh, and she gets the uh, Jedi books and he goes, they like me are the last of the Jedi religion, and I think he's talking about the Jedi in particular, not about the light, not about hope, and he, but yes, and so he yeah he well, he wasn't have, hopeful. He, <laughs> he could have. Uh, you know, had a mission and stuff, but his mission in his mind was to maybe the Jedi need maybe he maybe in his mind he thought if the Jedi cease to exist and the powerful light dies and you just have the light, then maybe the balance the force balances itself. Maybe that would do the same uh, on the opposite side. The powerful dark will will loot will die as well and so but well yeah his, his I, mission's I think we not can... his his failure is that he didn't teach that failure and move on from that failure kind of like you're mentioning but that's that's part of the whole point and how ray convinces him and i i liked so he, he's not going to train Ray. He says, nope, I'm not going to train you. I won't never train another Jedi again. What convinces him is he, when he sneaks onto the Millennium Falcon and finds R2. 
and R2 plays the guilt trip. The the Leia's video. The hope. Leia's the video. Hope. Because he and, had zero hope at the beginning. So he re, he gets reinvigorated with a new hope. And so I think that the the Ooh, back to a, it a new hope, hundred percent. So Seth says, see how or no, the one back. He said he felt like he was part of a failed structure that needed to die away with him. And by the end, he's absolved of that. Well, here's here's the difference though, is so he feels like, okay, the, he's like, yeah, the Jedi aren't 100% pure and good and everything they do is perfect. Everybody knows that. But then you have people like Ahsoka. She realized the same thing. Does she go into isolation and say, I'm not going to yes. help anybody and there's no hope for the galaxy? No. Basically. Then where is she? <laughs> oh, did we just lose Josiah? Oh, we made him mad. He quit. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh oh, that's okay. It happens. I never thought I would be the intermediately positive one here. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, he, he's. <laughs> I'm with Seth. Why we? Why we uh, wait for okay, so what... a couple of comments I wanted to address okay. from earlier. Uh, one from Seth and one from just Star Wars. Uh, Seth says J.J. Abrams. Signature is the mystery box. He actively avoids answering questions. And then Just Star Wars says, The Last Jedi seemed to wrap up too much for me, with Kylo becoming supreme leader and killing Snoke, making the mystery of Snoke irrelevant. Took away anticipation for nine for him. And I feel like he's completely right with the whole JJ mystery box thing. There were a ton of questions in The Force Awakens. And it did kind of feel like when they killed Snoke, it was just... You know, who cares about that character that we made? There was a million, a million questions behind it. People were just like, and just a, we never really, I mean, we kind of got an answer in nine, but nine, JJ went back to his not answering any questions in nine too, just by, you know, somehow Palpatine returned. There's, right. there's tons of questions without a whole lot of answers around JJ's Star Wars. Yeah, and I think that's what, like, Josiah was saying earlier, like, that's one of George Lucas's great things, is that he doesn't answer all the questions. But the difference is George Lucas is, like, a master at it, and J.J. is not quite I think, that good. I think, kind of <laughs> like the comment said, uh, J.J. does the mystery box, but he doesn't necessarily have the answers. He likes to ask questions, he doesn't like to answer them. Yeah. yeah. And, and George would ask the questions, but he had the answers. And I think, I think, so, uh, Ryan Johnson was asked all these questions and he tried his best to fulfill them and it, but it almost feels like, but also trying to leave them somewhat open to whoever's taking the next movie to finish it. Mm hmm. And, yeah, and I, so I feel like I'll. Some of the biggest problems with with this movie are just how none of it's addressed properly in uh, the Rise of Skywalker. That movie really kind of kind of fails. This movie. So uh, Seth said, "See how hopeful you stay after you feel like you created Vader 2.0, who who is also your nephew." And may even split your uh, 
sister and your best friend. Probably um, even split up your sister and your best friend. Right, like and, he's carrying all of that. Like I yeah. disappear too. Like, and especially like I, I think his point about you know the Jedi are inherently flawed and they were, you know, too full of themselves and just uh, they they needed to end the Jedi Order itself needed to end. Not necessarily the idea of people fighting on the light side, but the Jedi Order as a whole. Like, they did They did let Palpatine come to power. They did interfere in politics and things like that that, that they weren't supposed to. They mm-hmm. were part, they were warriors, and they were said that they were supposed to keep the peace. You know, Obi-Wan's famous line, you know, we were meant to keep the peace, not be, war- not be soldiers. Like, they went against all of that. And, and I think, I think that's hey. kind of the point. Aha! I think that's Sorry, kind of the point, though, Ahsoka. is that uh, Ray, and that's the point that Yoda even makes, is that that failure, it doesn't mean that the Jedi necessarily have to end, but that you need to learn from that and change the way you do things. And and that's what convinces him, him and Ray and Leia and Yoda convince Luke, and that's where you get him validating what Star Wars is, saying, nope. He needs to be a legend, and he becomes the legend. Yep. Wait, um, someone said something bad about Ahsoka? <laughs> oh, you didn't hear me? <laughs> no. Oh, good. I got cut out before. Oh. You got cut uh, out mid-sentence. You always get cut out mid-sentence. Always. <laughs> no, I like I think, the, the newest comments, Rebellica and Coloni, Like, the Jedi became too powerful for their own good, and their strictness blinded them. Like, they were so focused on doing things a certain way that it just ruined everything. So, totally on board with those. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. Since we're kind of at this part of the movie where we're we're talking about, let's talk about who is the best character in this this film. It's obviously R2-D2, right? No, BB-8 is the goat. He chirps back to life and, and... and starts cursing at Luke for, for not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But but come on, Sacred Island language. Who, Watch your language. What what computer from thirty five years ago has a video message that wasn't corrupted? You know what I mean, like a memory bank that wasn't corrupted from from thirty five years ago. That's like, true. Come on, R two D two is the goat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the best character. He completely changed. He completely turned R two D two turned Luke back to to being a good guy again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. R two is the best. While while cursing at him on a sacred island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, send it said Rory is speaking truth right now. I think that was about. Uh, yeah, you about when you're talking about the. Uh, comment before about the Jedi getting involved in too much of what they were. And and that's exactly the point. And I think that's the point that Luke was trying to get at when telling Rey that the higher their power, they let the Empire be created. It was They became so enamored with themselves and so strict in their rules. And yet 
somehow let themselves be drawn into politics and and all that stuff that they shouldn't have been in and fighting wars that they shouldn't they're peacekeepers they're there to basically ensure peaceful transitions treaty talks not not to fight a war and also i think they got so focused on expanding the jedi order like you know we talk about balance in the force there's thousands of jedi and only like a couple of sith like they just kind of went off the deep end on that side too they should have you know kept it kept it small and tight like they didn't need to have you know hundreds and thousands of jedi all over the place yeah because how powerful were they Mace Windu goes in there with four Jedi to take Sidious, and three of them are dead in seconds. And those are masters on the council. Right. True. <laughs> and that's, it goes to your point of them spreading too thin, really, or, yeah, just taking anyone. Yeah, well, there's there's really three things you can do when you realize that the Jedi aren't perfect. One, you can leave the Jedi Order and you know go into uh seclusion and do nothing either evil or good you could be like dooku see the hypocrisy and leave and to some extent you, you know use his power that he had gained for his own means and you know start leaning towards the dark side or you could go the other way and you could leave the Jedi Order, but continue to have your same moral compass and your same code of helping people and risk, you know, putting others in, ahead of yourself. Those are the those are your options. And I feel like Luke would have made the option to leave the Jedi Order, but continue to be a good person. Like that's how was he a bad uh, how I feel about it? Because so. Uh, Ascended in the chat said a while back too that uh, about it being like Hollywood or um, having like a movie basically that you know it, everything is good and the characters are good always. That was my whole issue with Ray <laughs> is about her being too good. She's the only one that believes Kylo's good. Like none of none of the rest of his family. His dad didn't think that Kylo was good. His mom, and even in this one, said, you know, yeah, he's he's bad. There's no turning him. You know, so, like, and Luke gave up on him. Everybody gave up on him. You know, Luke said, I have to kill him. Leia said, yeah, you're right. You got to kill him, basically. You know, everybody gave up on him except Ray. Ray's the only one that felt and saw that he was good. Um, but anyways, that, that's the, the whole side part. But anyway, so what I was going to say is, I think the difference, though, is somebody doesn't have to be perfect but when you know when a character is built up to a certain point in their their arc it doesn't make sense to revert them back my same my same issue with han so there's no reason to revert luke all the way back and take away because even at the very end when he did some cool stuff it still doesn't take away all that he did all the time that he lost in his decision you know like I, that doesn't take that away so he still he still became that person you know 
It, it's kind of, I mean, it's really just I it's get even the... like Vader. Vader's the same way. Like you can't take away all the bad stuff that he did because at the end he came back to the light. You know, he did have a re you know, he had a redemption and that was an amazing story. But that doesn't take away all the bad stuff that he did in, in between. <laughs> you know, yeah, but that makes it like, sound like Luke did bad stuff. Luke just just he was done. That's all he did. And I don't he just went to go chill for yeah. chill for a few years. And I definitely don't say see it the same as like I can see your complaint about the Han Solo stuff, but I don't think this is necessarily the same thing. And well, Luke think, was gonna kill his nephew. He thought about killing his own nephew. He almost he killed slept. Vader. He almost well, killed yeah, Vader. He almost killed a lot. Yeah, that's of that's completely different though. This <laughs> is like your nephew. It's a kid that you're training from a little boy. That's completely that you different. see that you see the darkness in and the millions that he kills and you think for one and it literally says it you think for one moment that maybe if I just get rid of him that I will save millions of people and he understood that he he's wrong he literally says that thought was wrong and it and it left him it was a fleeting thought and as soon as it came it left and he wasn't going to do that he by his words you can see he was not going to 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 actually kill him he knows that was wrong and he was not going to act on it what happened was kylo or ben awoken and realized that he thought his master had turned on him and that he was dead and he'd already had these dark thoughts and so i like i like, I like b's comment because to that point of like ray was the only one that saw good in him it's because she's the only one that didn't have experience with him everybody else knew him and saw him turn from good to bad ray didn't see that she only knew kylo as what he was when they met when he was already Kylo Ren. He wasn't Ben Solo anymore, but she saw that there <laughs> he was, was still good horrible. in him. Right. <laughs> but she saw that there was good. And I think I think Han Solo did too. That's why he went out on that platform and he tried to he tried to talk to him and tried to save him. He didn't write him off. You know? No, I think he did that because Leia told him to. She specifically said if you see him, bring him home. He had already given up I on him and he said it. I mean, we could pull back the scripts, but he's he had given up, and Leia said no and told him, you bring him home. So he did that out of love for Leia, not out of his own belief. I don't, I don't know about that. I feel like, I feel like, he, had a change, I feel like he had a change of heart, and that's what led to that. I don't, I don't think he would have risked way his life just talk, because Leia said to do something. Yeah, the way you talk and the, of the way that you think Han Solo is... <laughs> That Han Solo, in your mind, would not have walked out on that platform. Because his life would have been more important than his son's or his, or Leia's. And so... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I agree and I that Ray, Ray sees the good in him. And uh, to kind of go back to Luke's thought, that was just a moment, and that's just what... Kylo thought, or, or Ben thought, I always want to call him, but he's Ben in that moment, that 
he's going to kill me because I'm going to become this bad thing, but maybe I kind of want to become that bad thing. And then that's where you have that. And like you said, point, at, at, at this point, why, why do we think that Ray sees good in, in Kylo Ren? Cause I don't think she does at this point in the film or we're, we're talking. What do you mean? You know, what? She, she that's true him. she's still at, at she's point, still she's, mad she at hates him. him she as soon as she sees him she shoots her blaster at him and then she calls him a monster and, and she's here to get luke to go help them kill kylo ren defeat the first order she doesn't see the good but they at have this point but they have that yeah exactly and they start to have the conversations between the two of them that hasn't that's, happened yet right right you're no you're right and that's so, when so where we're at right now she doesn't see good in kylo ren True. She's there to get Luke to defeat Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. So, and I think as that story unfolds, and Luke, Luke tells his side, and Kylo tells his side of what happened, and how he turned, and why he turned. I think that's when Ray starts to realize, and then they start having their like their visions where they're connected. That's when Ray starts to see the good, the potential in him. Because he was, she knows that he was good at one point. Now, yeah, and, and I think she also takes the story from Luke, and she puts the pieces together, and she she tells Luke that you're right. You failed him by thinking that his decision was made, and and because after she's had all those discussions, uh. They start to connect, and uh, so you get to when when Ray has that scene in the cave, and she starts to you you she starts talking like narrating it, but if you pay attention, that next scene, it's clear that she's she's narrating it to Kylo. She's telling Kylo about the experience because it just continues, yeah. and the conversation just continues, and so and she says. I thought I, she she tells him that I thought I would find my place in the galaxy here. I thought I would understand yeah. who I am and what I need to be here. And she says I've never felt more alone. And Kylo says you're not alone. That part expressing I felt like was some bad filmmaking because it it didn't feel like she was talking to Kylo. It felt like she was talking to the audience. But you know I mean? but you but the but you can see that in that scene. Fourth wall. Kind of, yeah, kind but of, but now that now that I've I've thought about it, maybe a little bit, but I you know before I'd never thought about that before, and because that's the next scene is them talking about it, and it, yeah. and it, and and the, and she doesn't retell it, she just continues with the sentence that she's on. It's no different to me. It's no different than earlier in the scene when they go. Luke starts talking and he says lesson two and they're like and you see the mountain range and then they go into their conversation. You can hear him talking and all you see is a mountain and then they go in. It's just it's just the way of filmmaking. But, yeah, it. but that's why that's why that's what I I'm I'm agreeing with you. I just think it was poor. Could could have been, could have been, could have been a little bit better of, of explaining it. that's that's why it was happening. Yeah, but, but I think that's the connection line. we were talking about. Is that when she expresses she's never felt more alone, and and Kylo is going well, I basically feel the same way here. So you're you're not you're not alone there, 
and he continues to try to manipulate her throughout the movie when when after they fight and everything he he's basically telling her you're no one but you're not no one to me and that's why she's the one that sees the good in him because of their conversations she you know everyone else says they're gone but she's also like you said she hadn't known him before but she's also the only one that's had a current conversation with him besides Han Solo who's dead now and probably the only one who's seen him shirtless anytime recently <laughs> <laughs> You're a little more vulnerable when your clothes are off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, storyline aside, though, like, can we just agree on the fact that, like, every single island scene is, like, amazingly beautiful, and it was shot from, like, a cinematic standpoint. It was shot so well. Especially yes, I will when she goes into the king scene. That was visually, that like, chills. It was so good. Like, yeah, so that I, was I didn't an island, love right? the narration, but yeah, it's it was an actual of, island I've, off of yeah, the coast of Ireland, right? Ireland. Yeah, yeah right. I've been. I've, I haven't been to the island, but I've I've seen it and I've taken pictures of it from from the shore. Uh, nice. I would yeah. love to actually go on to the island, but yeah, it is. I don't think you're allowed to, are you? They had to get there's tours out there now. There's oh, tours, yeah, but only you can only in a certain number of people at a time. It's like yeah, it's only, only well. a certain time of year. When I when I went, they weren't doing it. Plus, you need to be in shape to to even walk up it because it's a steep hill. Yeah, yeah so, that'd be test. <laughs> that's what I was gonna bring up. Actually, is so there is a couple of like like strange things. Like everybody picked up on it, but the whole sequence of Ray stepping back and forth uh, to Luke, right. And giving him the, the saber and stuff. And she's taking two steps, but she's like 10, 15 feet away from him. You know, it, you're like, so that like, uh, at first I, I definitely was like, okay, that's definitely sloppy filmmaking and all this type of stuff. But once again, going back to, as always, like anytime you watch the making of stuff, you have a greater appreciation for it. So uh they only had two days to film there and they had to bring like there they could only have so many people on there and then they had to carry up everything all of those steps all by hand and they're they couldn't bring like crazy amounts of people to bring everything so even like the actors and stuff had to be like carrying up props and all this type of stuff and then once again then they only had two days to set up to you know get the right shots film the shots you know, edits, all that type of stuff. They had two days to do it. So I mean, on top of everything trying to else, teach Mark Hamill how to milk a blue blue milk. Cow, yeah, and they like, yeah, two he days. even had the time to like milk a sea cow, all in two days. Like it's it's really mind blowing when you think about it. Like so, then when you think about all those sequences, it is amazing. Like he did an amazing job with the time he had, and obviously the island was beautiful. But yeah, just the way that he filmed it and everything was just. Yeah, I will say that was that was awesome, and to do it all in two days. Yeah, yeah I didn't incredible. realize that they had done that so quickly. That's insane. I thought, I thought the the little village area where they had the little huts, I thought they rebuilt that in the studio, and so some Probably. of those were filmed in the studios because because of the time frame. But but hey. the the all, all like where they're up on the upper part and we're on on that rock edge, all that would have been on on location. But I think. Right. 
like the little village area where where she's sleeping and talking to Kylo and the little village she blows up. Yeah, or, and I actually, think like Luke the cave that <laughs> the cave that she goes into, and I think the cave where um, Luke like meditates too. I think those were all separate yeah. locations, but right. Yeah. The and amount of shots that they got on that island of like a full on village down at the bottom of the island that was, oh, really? was a deleted scene but yeah that wasn't there and then also the tree the tree, the tree. with the, right. the jedi books was a set piece that they created um, yeah but when you but, I mean, that's kind of obvious. Lightning. yeah uh, you know the, so it's not that's the thing about this movie too is the cinematography is amazing All, every scene on crate is gorgeous and just and especially with the idea of having a salt planet with all these minerals coming up off the ground when whenever you uh, move or do anything and it's yeah it, it, all that stuff is just so gorgeous looking <laughs> it, it's like this is what cinema should be i did notice one continuity thing on crate like, and I had never noticed it before until I rewatched it yesterday. Um, like, after, like, in between scenes, there's one scene where Luke is there with Kylo outside the gates, right? And then the ground is all red because the giant cannon blew all the salt away. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts away to, um, like, everybody trying to escape out the back. And then it cuts back, and the ground is white again. Like all the salt is back, and I was like, "Wait, no, they messed up." And I don't know, like you can kind of see like some stuff like floating through the air, so I don't know if like the dust had settled, and that's kind of what they were going for with that. But I, I can't, that's kind of the way I look at it because I ha- I did notice that. Uh, yeah. I'd I never noticed that never seen it before. And no. because because you needed that, that was the whole point of them trying to tell you that Luke's not actually here, even though you think he's here. And so that was the whole trying to fake out the audience to a point of like, nope, and and, and you're faking out Kylo that nope, he's not really here. Uh, I think because because I didn't I didn't actually get that when I the first time I watched the movie I didn't realize that he wasn't physically there, but then but the first thing I thought was, why does he have his lightsaber? Why does he have the, that was like. How does he have the blue lightsaber? That that's so but I think having the blue lightsaber is amazing because it's literally Luke telling Kylo, look how blind you are. Your your rage and, and your want to destroy everything has blinded you so far that you can't even see the fact that I am using a lightsaber you just split in two like half hour ago you your rage is so angry you can't realize that i'm not even really here yeah and like he keeps like firing the firing all the lasers and he's like more yes yeah. that, <laughs> that was intense I was I, like, that part i love that part and more. then Hux chimes in and he's like you think that's enough <laughs> yeah do you think you got him yeah so this, this was, is a picture i took Oh, nice. Of the island. That's awesome. Like, you didn't get not, any pictures of the sea cows? 
It's not very, like, this. It's not a very big island. No, it's mm-hmm. tiny. That's and it's awesome. all just a hill. Everything is climbing. Yeah, and it's just vertical. It's I think Colony said like in the that. chat that uh, there's you need to not be afraid of heights if you want to take a tour there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine one slip in your. That's a long fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Rebellica asked. Yeah, he had no uh, footprints. Yeah, Luke had no footprints. That and you and they you were clearly showing Kylo make the footprints. And mm-hmm. and you you it's one of those things that. You don't you don't even think about it until you like when you first watch it you don't even necessarily think about it. those cuts seem normal and until you realize they're literally showing us that he's not there they're showing Kylo kicking up all the all the uh, salt and uh, Luke is not <laughs> but I love I love uh, Leia and Luke's interaction when when he comes, and I also kind of want to point this part out, Josiah. I know you don't, you didn't I like the dice. Know. You didn't I like the know dice. You're gonna bring it up. Okay, so you don't like the dice. Why don't you well, like here's, the dice? Here's what I'll tell you with that. One, this movie was made before Solo, so at this point, those dice were just Han Solos. They there was no True. other story. So when when he when Luke gives them to him, they're just a memento of Han. And, and it was the solo movie that made them more than that. That's true. So the filmmakers maybe didn't know what they were going to do with the solo movie. And so I, I just look at them that as just it's a memento of Han. And I like so you said that Luke. Luke says he can't save. He he tells Leia, "I can't save him." Mm-hmm. But but Leia admits that he might be completely gone, and she's like, "I've tried to hold on hope, but you're right. He's probably gone forever." But Luke says, "No one's ever really gone." Luke's saying he's not going to go out. He, he's saying he can't go out there and save him. And I think that kind of points to the Obi-Wan show. Obi-Wan couldn't save Vader. Only Luke could. Luke knows that he is not going to be the one that saves Kylo if anyone's going to be. And that was... I think I think that was his point, though, is that he's still saying there's still hope. You can still hope for that because no one's ever really gone. And I know that that line gets taken out of context because it was used heavily in the advertising for Rise of Skywalker. But it, in this movie, it was the point of no one's ever really gone. And I just it's so precious when you watch. Or uh, if you follow like Mark Hamill on Twitter and stuff, you know how much he cared for Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And that last moment, and he get, he kisses her on the forehead. It's just it's it's almost it's it's sad. It I almost it get choked up. And then might be C three PO's greatest line in all of the movies. And all it is, is 
Luke walks past him and he winks at 3PO and 3PO just goes, Master Luke. And it's just like, oh, I love that moment. It, it, it's, it's, I get chills every time. I'm just like, oh. And the way, the way 3PO looks at Luke Skywalker. Hmm. So good. So let me just let let me just pitch one idea to you here, okay? We're all deciding, you know, okay, how are we going to, you know, script this? We all decided already that, you know, Luke is going to die in this film. You know, Han is going to die in the first one. Luke's going to die in this one. You know, Terry Fisher's going to die in the last one. We already have this all set up, you know? So how about at this last scene, you know, we get Luke actually going there to the planet and then we can even you know maybe they don't show it you know or maybe it's even a flashback but he's pulling out the ship from where he had it underwater at the island he's pulling out his x-wing so you get you know that nostalgia that flashback to like dagobah right he pulls out the ship he goes there he has those those same you know interactions that he had but in person and then in that final battle he uses everything that he has to like run through the blasters and like chop the legs off of all of the first orders, you know, stuff or whatever. You lost, you lost me. We were doing no, so good that, and you lost me. And then, and so like, then think about it. Yoda was like 900 doing flips and everything and everybody loved it. And I that loved was it. And so, the, so think about it. So that same thing happens. And then the same thing, instead of fighting his nephew, it's the same thing. He couldn't kill his own nephew. And so he basically lets himself go into the force just like Obi-Wan did. I think if I then was you have people complaining that, that it's that it's the exact same as the Force Awakens where he kills Han. And the the whole the whole point of that is what Luke is doing here. And one, I don't get why the interactions matter whether he's physically there or there in spirit and there no they don't matter i was just saying i was saying the movie would stay the same up until that but point. but his whole the whole point is one he is fooling he, he's really just there for them to make an escape and he's giving them hope and two he's doing it in the way we were talking about the Jedi and doing, they did things wrong and were involved in a war and all this. He's doing it the right way. He stood down an entire army. And didn't kill a single person. Didn't, didn't harm anyone. This is like the most passive way to fight an army, which is what the Jedi are supposed to be. They're supposed to be peace peacekeepers and that's why that moment is so good it's it's like the most it's the most jedi <clears throat> act we've ever seen any jedi ever do yeah but he doesn't like the jedi <laughs> it's it's what the jedi should be though is what yes he, and, he, and he's accepted not what that the jedi did, order was he's learned that lesson in this movie that's the point. He learns that lesson in this movie, and he, because that's what he says to Kylo. He says, because um, Kylo's like, uh, I've ki I'm killed the rebellion. The war is over. 
and I, and I will have killed the last Jedi. And he says, amazing. Every single word you just said is wrong. The, rebe the rebellion is reborn today. The war is just beginning. And I will not be the last Jedi. He, he learned that lesson. And he, and he is doing the most Jedi thing ever. why it just i don't know that's that's the way i see it i think if yeah, it, i guess if i it just had agree gone the route, mark hamill <laughs> if it had Sorry. gone the route that you're talking about josiah i think i would have rather not seen like a yoda style just go all out and like doing flips and stuff all over with a lightsaber but just like have him walk up and like just reach his hand out and start like crumbling the walkers yeah. like with or, the force yeah, or, or something like that push to knock that would have been like way more impactful than him like doing flips and stuff because i yeah. i didn't i didn't like that scene from, yeah or the uh, from same Attack thing of the Clones is in with yoda you know, i hated you, that you have him replace ray and he takes all the boulders out yeah but honestly i i'm happy with how they handled that i really liked that he liked it the force projection from the island like set like seth said in the chat like it would have been how did he get there so quick? If he stayed behind, how did he get there minutes after Ray did? And right? inside well, the base. Yeah, we, we we can't get into that because it's the same with, you know, the Millennium Everything in that movie didn't make sense time-wise and running out of fuel. How did the Millennium Falcon have all that fuel, you know, to go to the island and get there? It was it know? was topped off, man. The, the Millennium Falcon was topped off. Yeah, And you, so you heard them in the very beginning. So from 30 years prior. No, no, in the very beginning, they're talking about refueling everything, and then the base gets blown up. Like, so they couldn't refuel the ship all the way. And, and actually, if you watch uh, Resistance, the cartoon, uh, that is a refueling ship. And in the end of season one, where they end up in the wrong spot, they were supposed to go to Dakar there to refuel uh, everything. Mm. And so... If they would have shown up on time, then everything would have been filled and they'd have got out of there. Yeah. And Feel and it. the fuel the fuel is kind of irrelevant if you think about it, because if they're tied at the end of the string, they're gonna run out of fuel eventually. It it it, it doesn't matter whether that's in thirty minutes or three months. They'll just keep chasing them. So the whole the whole point about fuel and the and the Falcon gets the Falcon is there already because when she, when uh, Ray leaves, Chewie drops her off there and then she goes on to Snoke's ship and and Chewie just jumps back into hyperspace, but he's already in the area, and so it it makes sense that he could show up with the Falcon when they're on crate. Because he would already be in the area, just a quick hyperspace jump. He's probably not even that far away. And he's back there on the planet. And and that's another thing of Kylo's blinding rage. He sees that Millennium Falcon and he's just like, every fighter, kill that thing. I don't care about what else is going on. Kill the Falcon. Right, it's the last remnant of his dad. Like, of course he wants yeah. it gone. Plus, you just the music in the the Millennium Falcon theme when it shows up, and it's just so good. 
And I love, I love the resistance theme. The resistance theme is amazing. And you hear it when they first start with the, uh, the ski speeders, we'll call them. Ah, oh, the ski speeders. <laughs> those were so dumb. I agree. <clears throat> was not a fan of those. I think, uh, you know, I, I get that they kind of played it off as like the base is old and a remnant of the Rebel Alliance, but I mean, the, why why does it need skis? Like nothing, nothing we've seen before in Star Wars lore has to have like a ski to like the very first thing we see, Luke's speeder, like it it hovers, right? Yeah. So why do why I get for like the visual what effect if... was awesome of the skis, and I love like. You know, maybe that maybe that's what the whole point of it was was to like create a smokescreen of sorts with the salt that it kicks up. Uh, maybe that's the way that they justified it, but I didn't didn't really love those things. I kind of like did my own headcanon with that and thought, well, they're trying to stay low, and maybe the computer—it's an old computer—doesn't really can't calculate where the ground is very well, and so they they hooked up hooked up skis with him i don't i don't know it's just a sensor <laughs> it's definitely not going to ruin the movie for me and it does i mean they didn't look cool... like they were they didn't look like they were built at like the top notch facility so maybe maybe they yeah. just got a disc, discount on them <laughs> Poe sticks his foot right through it <laughs> uh, i will agree that's not those things aren't the greatest but they do look like the scene looks cool, kicking up all the all the the salt and everything. It's well, just it looks more uh, like they're just dragging the ski, like it's almost like an anchor. Does that yeah. does that explain why why Rose is able to start flying hers and catch up to Finn after? Oh, guys, it's not a ski; it's an anchor. Why do we have it down this whole time? We could have got there faster and stopped the first order if we had not had these anchors down. She should have let. And Finn why is go the out. first order so far away? Because yes. it's. Why do why do these people with same, these ships land so Krennic far away? Lands three kilometers away. It's more menacing when you walk up to your to your prey. Do you imagine that walk though? You're like you get there and you're huffing and puffing like, <sighs> just walked a mile for no reason. We're in a ship that can park literally anywhere. There's not even you never even see a ship. You just because <laughs> the, the like walkers. maybe there's a landing pad uh, three kilometers away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody's really walking. They're all on whatever the new AT-ATs were called. Yeah, we needed until, bigger AT-ATs. Until Finn, and then he's just like walking around in front of all of them, and they don't pay him any mind. Yeah, right. Like once the speeder crash, they just let him drag Rose all the way back, even though and he runs like right in front of the big cannon. Well, yeah. you do. Look, there is trenches in there, and if you've ever played uh, Battlefront Two. On that map, there is trenches that they would get in because you see, oh, after he ditches his, he slides into one of the trenches, and that's how they get back into behind the doors. There are certain trenches that ha are ways in behind the door, but it only shows one trench pretty close to the door. So he, that's he all still you had, see in the movie. He had a he had a long walk, mm -hmm. yeah, a long, long walk, walk dragging somebody. Yeah, While not getting shot at. Yeah, at they all. didn't fire at him or anything. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. Like I, I am a huge fan of this movie, but there are things that I'm just 
not like super happy with the way that it went. Well, then like, how there's how a lot is, of continuity things that just you know, don't make any sense. Rose is knocked out and can't move and you know, really hurt from the crash. And Finn's just like, nah, I'm fine. Plot armor. Finn has plot armor, bro. Come on. You know this. <laughs> uh, you can take extra damage. They crash right. I'm watching right now. They crash right in front of one of the new <laughs> giant ATATs. And they're just like, also, how did he not get burned? Maybe they thought it would be better. It would be funnier if they stepped on him instead of just shot him. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, everybody's talked about it, the comparison to Hoth. That's why I was wearing my Hoth shirt today. But if this happened at Hoth, they would have been picked off and dead. I mean, you watch that scene, everybody was getting shot and dying. You know, you take to this one. Yeah, and anyone on the ground just, like, just getting obliterated. <laughs> this one, they're able to, like, you know, get the other, you know, he was able to get Rose out, drag her over to a trench. <clears throat> no one even shot at him or fired at him. Well, there, whole there, is, the, there is a line. Even the, even the little kiss right in front of the ATAT. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. They're like, I forgot they're about like the zoomed kiss. in watching the drama. Ooh, they're making out. <laughs> they have a periscope. <laughs> Watch. That's kind of what happened. Yeah, periscope. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, exactly but but there's uh, there is a line i mean that, Finn was the traitor everybody wants to kill him so why yeah, why are they like oh no he's, he's the on the ground you can, there's there's no honor in shooting somebody on the ground when you're in a vehicle <laughs> uh no but there is a line that they asked kylo or uh, maybe it's hux that asked him should when the uh ski thingies whatever they call what i don't even know what they're they're called when ski they come speeders. out ski speeders okay speeders. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know we'll call them skiers. skeeters <laughs> they when they come out they ask should we clear them first or continue with the approach and he just says continue with the approach he said don't even worry about them so that's when the fighters come and that that's what they're to, they're there to do otherwise no one else is concerned with anything else going on in front of them other than to get the battering ran cannon ready to go. Yeah, let's get the door open so we can shoot these resistance guys instead of shooting the ones that are right in front of us. Makes I didn't say it's solid planning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also it points to Kylo's single-mindedness and his blinding rage. I hate to but, be that guy, but do you notice how we skipped like the whole middle of the movie? I was yeah. just typing that out in the chat. Like we skipped like the middle <laughs> of the movie. So many, so many amazing scenes that we that we glossed over. Okay, we glossed Rory, over give, a, give, give us of, an amazing scene. I mean, give us the throne room scene. Yeah, throne room skipped over Canto bite. Throne room yeah. was okay. No, 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 no. The throne room was amazing. The oh, okay, room, yeah. Incredible scene. I don't know if is being sarcastic or not. No, I am dead serious. <laughs> that, there's a few things I love about this movie. The island's one of them. The throne room is another one. That is like, such an amazing scene and fight scene. And I will say, I would say out of all three of the movies, I like that fight scene with Ray specifically the best. I do like and I, I think it comes back to what you said about the colors. I love the colors and oh, how yeah. they play off everything in the lightsabers and everything. Like I do really like, and I like how they like 
go into like slow-mo and and stuff it's pretty cool and like that just like that like they're they're sparring like it's not just the lightsaber like they're actually like hitting each other with the lightsaber and then they're punching each other and kicking each other kicking it's a it's a legit fight and then the scene where the they're are they the praetorian guards is that what they're called yeah i think so that's what they're called yeah like he's got ray and like He's got her like in a chokehold, and then she drops the lightsaber and picks it up with the other hand and gets him with it, like Chef's kiss. That was uh, I don't like that phenomenal. Uh, I was like, gonna say you're in a chokehold. You're in a chokehold. I didn't know that opening your hand makes the bad guy get released the chokehold, so you can drop down and grab your lightsaber. Uh, it was, I can also it was, point out awesome. another. If you really want to want that scene ruined for you, I could point something else no, out. No, please don't. Like, do it. It's one of I know my exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Don't do it. Please don't. Uh, well, I don't, don't want it ruined for me. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it in the uh, after show. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll talk about it in the after show. All right. How about, so we all agree the throne room was pretty awesome. It, it is great. Right? I don't I know love... about Quentin. I loved all the different okay. weapons that they have too. The Praetorian guards yes. all have like weirdly different weapons. They all are proficient in different styles. Well, I, I do like that they're they're like regular swords, but they have this energy element to them that allow them to fight with lightsabers. Yeah, kind of like those droids from uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, they're fighting uh, Obi Wan and Anakin. No, Grievous guards or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was that I, was probably like my favorite scene of the whole trilogy. I think it was just yeah, that was really sort of cool. no I, oh, second favorite look, scene. We'll get to my part, favorite, the part where <laughs> Ray is like having trouble fighting one on one, and Kylo's fighting three at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think what uh, I told you, no. he's jacked. Uh, well, we'll talk about it in the after show. I know, I know. No, what we you were we, we talk mentioned about, Ben Solo, but we didn't even talk about that scene either. <laughs> I think we did. Uh, ben Solo, tiny bit, but I like when uh, one of the one of the guards gets like thrown into like the open the meat grinder. energy sources or whatever <laughs> they are, and just goes. <laughs> you just see bits. <laughs> it's basically a blender. Yeah, that's that crazy. I, like I don't, I don't know what the science part of that is, but I like that. <laughs> I mean, the Empire and First Order are all about OSHA violations, so why wouldn't they have a giant exposed <laughs> blender everywhere? Yeah. I mean, you've got yeah, walkways like thousands of right? feet up. Yeah, yeah. You've got walkways thousands of feet in the air with no railing. Might as well. I mean, no fall protection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so get to your, uh, what's your other, what's your other scene there, Rory? Uh, I was gonna say let let's go let's go through Canto Bite real quick because I know okay. this is a very contentious scene like plot line for everybody. A lot of people hate it, but I like I said earlier, I love the fact that it was a long shot and they went and like you know I, I get that there was like a lot of like you know hidden messages that they were trying to play off of of how like people are profiteering off war and stuff like that and. Like they're trying to, you know, bring parallels to what's going on in the world these days. But I just overall really liked this, the whole setup for it, I think was really good. I think they, you know, they, they saw the kids and the kids saw the rebel symbol and, you know. Because that meant something to them. Yes, because Holdo <laughs> literally says people all over the galaxy know our symbol. Mm-hmm. Like, 
15 minutes earlier. She says that. So why wouldn't these kids? You don't know where these kids came from. They could have come from a world that was and liberated being, by the rebels. And they're being tortured, basically, forced into labor. And so that's what the rebellion represents. Yeah, exactly. Is, I did not love the, the giant horses. But BB-8 with the coin gun, that was amazing. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That, you know I, why that was funny, though? That was funny because... You get like the little drunk alien, right? That's like puts a coin into it. Inside little, of them, like, right? yeah. But the funny thing is, then later he's shooting a ton. So, like, a bunch of people were doing that. <laughs> he must or have just had that a bunch one of drunk people. alien. You know that one yeah, drunk alien? You know that one drunk alien was, uh, uh, what's the term uh, they do? Uh, the uh, shooting, the, uh, the CGI. Mo-cap. When you have all the dots on your face, what's I can't think of oh. motion capture. Mo- motion capture. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was Mark Hamill doing motion capture. No way. Oh, really? That, that's Mar- the drunk alien is Mark Hamill. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That I, I love that part. Like it was a little cheesy and out of place, but I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think the whole Canto Bite scene represents one Poe's continued failure to listen. And to see the the bigger picture, and also it represents Finn needing to, because at that point, if Rose hadn't stopped him, he was still gonna just run. And so that was him needing to represent what he needed to learn, what he's fighting for, and the who the good guys are and he needs to stand up and have courage instead of just running away and so that that's kind of what those scenes they represent his they represent finn's journey of what the lessons he needs to learn from from the movie yeah totally agreed i think another thing that it does and i'm just gonna state it as a fact Versus saying if it's positive or negative, and you guys can take it however you want. But I think that the whole Canto Bite scene as well, all the way to the end until we see the little boy again. Well, the kid's playing, and then the little boy that had the ring and everything like that. If you tie all that up, basically what they did was they took the resistance and turned it back into the rebellion. In this movie, they started saying rebel, you know, and they're like, they basically made the audience like kind of change their mind about the whole resistance thing and go back to the rebel thing. Mm-hmm. And so like when, so I can't remember someone, they, they pulled off the, you know, rebel scum thing in, in this movie too. Right. Oh and yeah. Uh, yeah. It Sorry. I was going to say what it was. No, it was, it was, yeah, it was Finn. Oh, or- Shh. Phasma calls him scum and he goes, that's right. Rebel scum. Right. Uh, So, you know, they, they kind of, they wrap it back around and I'm not hundred percent sure if that was Ryan Johnson kind of taking away the resistance thing, because I know a lot of people had an issue with the resistance. Like why are they a resistance if they work for the Republic? If Leia's, you know, with the Republic, the First Order would really be the rebellion against the Republic. Okay, I I can kind of tell you a little bit about that. So, basically, the Republic... Insider information. The Republic 
I think it, it's from some books and, and maybe even touched on in uh, the TV show Resistance. Uh, but basically, the Republic is has a no military policy. And that's they're trying to be super peaceful. That's, and that's what Mon Mothma's doing after the rebellion. The yes. Rebellion, rebellion, the Republic builds on the rebellion. The rebellion turns into the Republic and they build on that and they build massive warships. They build the Starhawk ships, which just devastate Star Destroyers. And they have control over, I think, one of the Super Star Destroyers are in their fleet. And slowly over this time, the Mon Mothma doesn't think that the Rebellion should... Mon Mothma becomes Chancellor. She's the Chancellor of the Republic. And she's very against violence. And so the the Republic becomes demilitarized. There's pretty much no standing military for the Republic. And that's why when this First Order threat starts to emerge, Leia, Leia recognizes the threat... That's when she starts organizing the resistance. She's she's resisting the Republic as well, basically in there. She realizes the threat that the First Order is and starts building what needs to be. That's why they only have leftovers. That's maybe why they have dumb bombers. Don't bring up the bombers. We're past that. <laughs> I will go back and I will die on that hill. That whole scene. I think one of the other scene things ruins the entire movie from the get go. <laughs> no. Wrong. I think one of the other things the Canto Bite sequence does is, and you guys touched a little bit about this last week, I think Josiah talked about it, is that there wasn't any like real world stuff going on in the movie. And it was all just people fighting the war. You know, I really like that it kind of brought it down to earth. Like you see these people, like they're not necessarily normal people, but it, ta it takes it away from just the battlefield and you get to see a little bit more of the universe which is like yeah. part of Star Wars is you get to see all kinds of different stuff and why wouldn't there be a giant Vegas in space Yeah and it's and it's really the only one time in the sequels that you can see a regular part of the galaxy <clears throat> and like the wealthy people in the galaxy too Yeah because you never see that anywhere else other than like Naboo and then Coruscant even Coruscant's like uh, I mean yeah, if, you did, if you dive deep the rest of it's run down Yeah I mean, and then yeah, it never focuses its... on like the super wealthy of Coruscant either. I feel right. like you like you don't really get to spend. Right. You that see the much politicians time, like, in like I don't know. Like it would be cool to see even in like the prequels. It would have been cool to see a little bit more. Like you see in like some of the books and stuff like that. Of you know maybe some of the senators like getting together. You know having drinks and stuff and you know being sleazy <laughs> you know just like you know right. the the kind of upper echelon like you don't get to really see that yeah for sure like maybe in maybe in andor why why the dog yes. horses things why not <laughs> why <laughs> i want to see, see you ride a horse that jumps through a why? stone wall and you can hold why on was and there be like that's okay i was fine okay i, I want to see a human wall. pilot a pod racer that goes 600 miles an hour what? He had to use the force. These characters don't yeah. have the force. You want to see Finn Luke does. crawl inside of a tauntaun? Oh no, not. What was that? <laughs> you want to see, see Finn crawl inside of a tauntaun? <laughs> I mean, you cut an animal up, and then they go. The horses climb up a vertical cliff that's like two, three hundred feet tall. They're just Bro, have this you seen goats? The cliff. Have you seen mountain goats, dude? <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt that the animals can do it. 
It's not it's the animals doing things. It's the humans holding on to the back of the really, animal while they're doing really these strong, insane things. Quentin, I mean, you've ridden your motorcycle no up a steep hill. There's no saddle. Yes, there is a saddle because she yes, specifically she specifically has to take it off the one there. Still, they do not going to hold you on when you're going up a, a straight vertical cliff. I mean, you just you just hang on. Yeah, you've you've <laughs> okay. ridden your motorcycle up a very steep not thing. vertical, not like that. And I think a lot of it was the angle the scene was shot at too, because it was shot from like behind. So of course it's going to look completely vertical, but if they had showed it from the side, it was probably a steep incline at best. You got to think about camera angles too. Well, yeah, they, that's they true. show it like down from when they fall off. They show it down from above, too. <laughs> I'm I'm watching it right now. I have it pulled up and I'm watching it. All right. I, I, I will think say, if you were on like, the back of a horse that crashed through glass or a brick wall, you're going to be hurting. Plot armor. If you can hold, if you can stay on. We know this is a thing. Like, there's so many ridiculous things that happen in these movies. Yeah, we're literally Sequel, talking about prequel, original with, trilogy. Uh, movies with laser swords and blasters, and you're complaining about a horse running up a hill. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I will say, like, you know, yeah, that is a little a little silly. But, like, at the end, I feel like we could have done without Rose, like, now giving her, like, it. yeah, her statement now or you're whatever. Free. I feel like it, it would have done the same thing without that maybe even like her have like a look to finn like hey like we did something great you know like i i feel like it it almost like took it down a notch her being like having to stand there and be like now this whole thing was worth it you know what i mean <laughs> even though we don't have the code breaker we don't have a ship we're stuck here we're gonna get arrested again yeah, because that yeah, that's true. Did that was we before did. the ship we, that was before the ship we, even came. So we, yeah, we, they thought they were stuck. We freed a couple horses that are gonna get rounded up tomorrow. <laughs> they didn't take out the GPS trackers, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh I we have to get to my favorite scene of yes. all of Star Wars. Okay. The Holdo maneuver. <laughs> I know it is everyone's most hated scene but like the way that everything goes silent and mm -hmm. just, you just see the impact and everything shattering yeah. like it's just it, it was so cool i can see I yeah, so, the whole in my notes i was i was actually pretty positive about that i like i, I actually do really do like that scene i mm -hmm. okay so I can hear all the arguments and I see people complain about it on the internet, but when I watched it the first time, it is like you did not think that that was what was going to happen. Right. No, they, you're just like, wait, what's happening? And then the sound pierces after it. Like it's silent for a little bit, kind of like the uh, seismic charges are, but then there's that piercing sound and it's just like, what the heck just happened? It's, it's super cool. And I think it's also cool because it spreads to the other ships. And I almost believe well, that the debris, just, the debris. that's yeah, it's just the debris hitting everything because it's just ships. hitting so hard. Light speed it debris. It Snoke's ship and then it, it spreads like a shotgun yeah. of debris. And that's why I, think... I, get, I get, I don't know how I feel about it because in my thinking of it how does how does it work how do how do you think it works rory that it at this point so 
for me, like, I, I see your point. I saw your notes of, like, you know, sure, they could just program a droid and send a big chunk of metal with a drive on it and replicate it. But I don't think that's all there is to it. I think it has a lot to do with, like, the guys were on the ship messing with the shields, right? They punched through the back shield of the ship with, a, with the code breaker guy, right? That could have messed stuff up with the shield. It could have been, you know, gravitational interference because they were near a planet. It could have been they just weren't expecting it, so they didn't have a contingency plan for a maneuver like that. Are you talking about getting through the shields? Yeah. No, and how, about, like, we're talking about the how how the ship was able I to I think physical things can get through the it. shields to some degree. I mean, we yeah. saw Kylo get through the shields on the Oh cruiser. yeah, yeah. For sure. I just mean like the the Holdo maneuver in general, like See, you know, I don't think it's one of those the things way... that they could just program a droid and replicate it over and over again. I think it was like a very it was one of those long shots like it probably wouldn't work any other time. The but the circumstances I, the I were just right. It is hyperspace is like a different physical reality than the normal space. And you, you enter that when you go faster than the speed of light. Right. So what's happening here is she, she is accelerating to light speed. And to me, it feels like she makes contact with the ship before she enters a hyperspace. Otherwise they exactly. wouldn't be there for her to hit, which, which really comes down to, it's a math problem of how much distance does your ship move before it enters hyperspace. And so you have and that's to, a big ship, so she probably wasn't well, really that's, that's actually going that you fast. Gotta, you gotta, you gotta know the math and how fast your ship's moving, how how far it'll go before it hits hyperspace. Otherwise, it wouldn't hit anything. So but you we have should, to. But we see ships ram other ships, and like the shields just obliterate the ship that's trying to do the ramming in other in other scenes. Yeah, but so like I it's, think it was it's, just it's a, a, it's a large it's a, ship. Okay, it's a we, large okay. capital ship. And it's it's moving very fast, faster than think than think when, about when the Force Awakens. Engines. Think about the Force Awakens. How the Millennium Falcon gets onto the Star Killer base. They said it has a refractional refresh rate that anything traveling slower than light speed can get through. So they travel light speed through the I don't shield. I think the shields matter. I, f I feel like a, a, a craft of that size and that mass. Yeah impacting another craft even with really good shields they're gonna they're gonna cause massive damage when you're moving at that speed and that's mm -hmm. why like i don't dislike <coughs> that scene i really like that scene i just don't think it's it's like in in the skywalker rise of skywalker they kind of have to go oh that was one in a million you know you can't just do it again but i feel like it, it's it's really just down to math and the calculation of where you have to have your ship positioned before you make the jump to know you're going to travel exactly this far and you'll make contact before you actually enter hyperspace. Uh, I don't know. I see it as like, it was a combination of both. Like if the, if the first order had been prepared and expected something like that, they probably could have, you know, kept a better distance, prevented it from happening that way. They could well, have, yeah. I well, think yeah, shields would absolutely they, protect it. They see what she's think, doing. Hux, Hux is literally like, they, she's turning around and he goes, clear everything on that cruiser because she realizes what's about to happen. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's too late. Like a, right. lot, yeah. a lot of times when, when, when I feel like a lot of the maneuvers that the resistance do, the first order responds too late. <clears throat> but um, that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily a thing that, that 
is a, a sound plan to continue using. I just don't think it's it's one in a million. I think it was just it's just math and science that could that could make it happen more often if you wanted to. But no, I'm, I'm not and saying that resources too. You got to think about resources. Yeah, so I'm I'm not saying it's a valid battle strategy to continue doing. I just don't think I think that the way the way that this scene sets it up is that it is something that could be replicated if it was really like that's what you wanted to do. I'm not saying it's a good th it's a good idea to keep doing this. I just don't think it's it's one in a million. I think I think it's something that you could just calculate math and figure out how to do again if needed. I don't think it's I don't, I'm not saying it's a it's a solid plan to keep using. So I think uh, I'm going to start to wrap it up, but I want to touch on one last scene. And I want the Luke scene as he's as he's dying. And it's it's interesting because you see they show the sun and then they show him and they show it again. And then there's two suns. And then. They show it again and there's only one son. So what, what I take from that scene is he's seeing the two sons. Just like Tatooine. And his... It's almost representative of his life has come full circle. And he's fulfilled... He, he's uh, kind of... Ray, Ray puts it at the end. Uh, he goes with peace and purpose. He He did what he set out to do. And he sees the two sons and becomes one with the force. And then, so I just, I just love that. And you, and you hear the force theme and you just get that ball in your throat. It just, I, I, tear, I tear it up a little. Yeah. That's good. I think the way that they handled that, like, I know a lot of people didn't like the force projection stuff. But I think it, it took a lot out of him, took a lot of energy. He's old. And then the way he just just kind of fades into the sunset, like... I don't, I don't know if classic. age has to do with it. More so that he had cut himself off from the forest for so long and then had to do such a, a powerful a powerful move. I think yeah. Mark be, Hamill like... him said... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think Mark Hamill himself related it like a person who was addicted to cocaine got off of it for 20 years and then all of a sudden took too much of a hit and OD'd 20 years later because you just couldn't ha your body couldn't handle it anymore so he was he basically out of practice and and just couldn't and so it took a lot of energy and you even even here earlier in the movie when Ray and Kylo start force communicating, uh, Kylo goes, "You're not doing this. the 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 amount of force would kill you." Basically, saying that just them connecting each other through the force, the amount of effort it would take for Ray, who's untrained, would kill her. So using the force too much, they already know can kill you, and that's what happened to Luke. And he, he used all of his power to project himself across the galaxy to save everyone, to save the rebellion, to save hope, to save 
to create that spark for the fire that'll burn down the First Order. And I just, I just love at the end, you get something that you don't get in another. And this is why I say that there's a, there's a lesson and you can watch it without watching any other Star Wars movie is you get that kind of Josiah touched on it for a second, but the scene with the kids telling the story of Luke Skywalker and it's like just the legend that he, he's like, at the, be at the beginning of the movie, when he first meets Ray, he goes, what do you think? I'm just going to walk out there with a laser sword and face down the whole First Order. <clears throat> and by the end of the movie, that's exactly what he does. And this legend that the kids, that he's this, this legend that you can look up to, to, for hope. And that uh, hero to strive to be. And you get the little kid, Broom Boy. And, and he's using the force, name. and I, I think he has an actual. I think he actually has a canon name now. Yeah. But I'm not. Sure, I don't remember what it is. But I know that's what he was called when the movie first came up. Was they just said Broom Boy, and everyone knows who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and he shows because he kept the ring, and the he opens it up, and it's got the rebel sing. A symbol because it's the symbol of hope and my people it means hope it's just it's so good I always get to that end part to the, the ending there and I just go oh my goodness this movie is so good every time like the, the good far outweighs the bad things the, the nitpicks that you that might have, the, the emotions and the story that's being told way outweigh what any any nitpicks might be, in my opinion. I think, to me, the nitpicks are the, the universe-building stuff that kind of doesn't make sense. And with Josiah, it's, they ruin all my characters. <laughs> And the storytelling, I am less. I am yeah. less upset with the storytelling. I'm more upset with these stupid bombers. Don't make sense. Why are lasers arcing through the solar system now instead of just going straight and stuff like that? And Josiah's like, I pay attention to it. I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen all that stuff. And yeah, to to be hundred percent honest, like the the bombers. Like that, that really doesn't even bother me that much, you know. Like, <laughs> and that's the hill I like, die on. <laughs> yeah, some of like some of the things that people hate on the most. If you look up like the worst things about this movie on YouTube or something, all like say they'll like have top ten things that people don't like. I'm fine with those things. I really am. I, I think like exactly what Quentin just said. That's what it is to me. Is I already knew that they're handing off the mantle to a new generation for new fans to fall in love with new heroes. I just, I just wish that they didn't have to disparage the old heroes to make the new ones look better. I wish that they, they could have just continued on, you know, that, that similar path that they could be, you know, Luke could be the old <clears throat> wise man, you know, like in, in helping along, you know, 
Ray, for instance, or or Finn, or the whole little group, or whatever. He does, though, in the end. Yeah, he does. By, yeah, by in com- the by end. Coming, in the, by coming back, he he <laughs> yeah, but, tells but her, he reassures her that you are that you were right, that that I was okay being with, stubborn. Okay with that? He's mad about the whole twenty years in between. Yeah, <laughs> we're just we're just meant to believe. You're mad about all the stuff that, we didn't see. Yeah, we're just meant to believe from the last time we've seen these great characters, these heroes, this amazing, and Rebellica's in the chat, this amazing, greatest love story of all time get shattered and destroyed. Family Are you still on the Han Solo thing? Blown up. Yes, yes Tyler. Han and Leia. Yes, that's huge. We're just oh meant to believe that it just completely got destroyed. And then Luke just completely goes off the deep end after everything that we've known about him. I get that, you know, people don't have to be perfect. I get that not everybody's going to be here except Ray. (laughs) I get that, like, maybe not everybody's going to be quote-unquote good forever, but why do you have to make specifically the only characters that everybody fell in love with, why did they have to all go bad? All of these well, main Leia characters. Leia doesn't go Why bad. They have to. Leia is the only one that does. And Leia like. stuck with everything. Well, kind of, but she. What do you mean, she, kind of? She still like agreed. To, or, I mean, she was still okay with the the split up. She was still okay in the end of well, a, I don't think admitting a split that up her always... son is her son. Well, they both said it. They explained it to us. You know, they yeah, we we both had to deal with it in our own ways. You did this. I did this. You know, and I think that's whatever. very like realistically things that could happen. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, like, yeah, but why do you? So do what's you wrong with that? that heroes do that. I don't. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't care if about who else would it realistically to. or not. Why is his heroes going through this? Yeah, why? like who else I don't care about to? regular side people. Yeah, you can tell me about all these side <laughs> characters that they ended up, you know, going off the deep end. Like that's fine. <laughs> but why do you have to specifically make heroes, <laughs> legends, all go bad? And then they, you specifically bring them back to tell us that they regressed from because everything that they had the done over, in the past. The overarching story is that people change throughout the entire Star Wars Yeah, they all change for the bad, supposedly. No. Nobody gets better. Everybody turns out okay. Yeah, all of the people like- from the original trilogy, out of all of them, was one of them from the very end where they were the hero top of top of their arc you know they they overcame all their obstacles to the very end right of episode 6 who was better in 7 none of them they were all worse their but, lives were all worse well mm-hmm. That's life. Sometimes things don't go okay. No, it's not. How is that life? So you're okay with that? You're okay that I'm going to tell your story and you and your wife are broke up and your son is a murderer. Things happen. That's what I'm going to write your story to be. Okay, well, his story's not Star Wars. Yeah, well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. If I was a Jedi, sure. They don't. They don't have to. They don't have to be. Like, but the whole point is that person, they're not perfect. The whole point is I, just, that I, just like that, I just like that Josiah and I are on the same side for completely opposite reasons. <laughs> He's mad at everything that you can't see, and I'm only mad at the things that I can actually see <laughs> happening. <laughs> to me, all the things I see, not here, not story, just the things that I see are what make me upset with this movie. 
<laughs> just like, like everyone's ah, those just are supposed fine. to you you jump into this move these movies and you just are like told to believe that all this happened i mean what what was the other option like oh it's been 20 years everybody's been fine cool well no they could have they could have a similar story because how did the first order came how did the first order come they came right they came, they came from... out of the the crumbles right of the empire yeah. So they're Ray rebuilding and, out of and, that. So uh, they could have... Hux's father, can't remember what his name is. Brendo? Yeah, right? Brendo Hux, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they all come out, right? And so obviously Leia, and it could have been everybody. Everybody could have been like, oh, hey, this, you know, the Empire, who we defeated so long ago, all came back. Let's get the band back together. And hey, we're too old. We're too old, and we're all gonna die in this trilogy. So we need new heroes. So <laughs> then they could all be that's basically teachers what... and mentors. Are we watching different and Obi Wan Kenobi's of this? Yeah, that's Luther what I said. Yoda's. <laughs> I wish we were watching different movies. Is there another one I can see that's different than what I saw? <laughs> like that's exactly what happens. They get the band back together, and everybody turns out okay, and they get the new heroes. Like, that's exactly what you're describing. Josiah's just really passionate about happy family life, and he's just so sad. <laughs> I am. His, his Nobody, most nobody's beloved Nobody's going to write my story for me. And you can't his, write his most. You can't write his most beloved you heroes. can't write Luke's. That's, that's what it is. This is, this is coming from a point of, of passion, not of hate. Josiah loves you gotta these remember, characters. These are, he grew up these with these as his heroes. Families, he, right? he grew up with these as All of heroes. these people. That's true, and and now they they seem ruined to him. All of these people are messed up from the t from the moment they were born, right? Like, yeah, but that's Luke the and Leia had no parents. That'd be good. Yeah, they did Solo, good for a little you know, while. What, what, what's your stuck. family name? <laughs> I don't have one. Solo. Rebecca says they got the band back together, and the bus crashes and burns. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be like no, they get the bus back together, and everybody dies before they get to the bus together. <laughs> you know, like Luke doesn't even get to see Han and Leia. Like they don't even get to be together in person in this trilogy. That's fair. I mean, would that have been a great scene? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think. All four I think of them fighting you together. know, you know what would have happened though? Fans would have don't complained that it was too much fan service. I, I, I never that's, complain about that's fan what, uh, service. I love that's fan what the, service. Yeah. The Force Awakens was. It was just, it was just fan, fan service. fan service me. No, it wasn't. Uh, uh, I think, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's good. I think Josiah finally got something off his chest. <laughs> I'm just getting wound I'm up. Glad, I'm, I'm glad, glad that it's ending it. right now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I think we should uh, kind of call it on that note. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to go ahead and plug your stuff, Rory. Plug my stuff? Oh. Uh, yeah, your, your social media and your... Sure, you, yeah. If, you can throw you anything you want that. out there, whatever you're doing. If anybody needs graphic design, logo, website, Amp Media Denver, check us out. <laughs> I wasn't it's good actually stuff. gonna do that. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Okay, we don't so. care. It's all right. <laughs> I can put the link in there if you want. That's all good. <laughs> Unless someone asks for it, then you can put it in there. Gotcha. Uh, go ahead, Q. 
Uh, you can find me at, at Twitter, Crazy Quentin, uh, Twitch, Crazy Q, Crazy Q Gaming on YouTube. Um, all kinds of fun things. Just hang out, play games, uh, all kinds of different games, RTS, FPS, Star Wars, all kinds of fun. Love to see you guys drop by. <laughs> Send it says after Josiah's rant, where <laughs> he doesn't want his business tied to it. <laughs> Hey, come come find me on Twitter. I will argue all day long about how amazing the sequels are. Uh, That's great. Okay, Josiah. Uh, Yeah. um, I uh, you can find me. I don't even know what I'm saying. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, Martinez mostly. That's where I am most of the time, messing around. Entering uh, cool giveaways and things like that, supporting different uh, small content creators. That's what I love to do. Um, but yeah, besides that, uh, my son has a new YouTube channel. Uh, he's going to be doing lots of stuff. Right now, he's kind of doing like unboxings, Lego builds. Um, and he's doing giveaways too. Uh, this month, he's giving away $100 any way you want it. So um, that link's going to be in the show notes. Um, or also, you can find the link in our uh, Discord channel as well. Um, definitely go support him, show him some love, uh, enter that giveaway. He's going to continue to be doing giveaways. So definitely do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would just like to say a huge thanks as always, um, to the chat that always keeps us all going. Um, you know, obviously big shout out to Seth, um, Rebelica. I know Togo Bap was in here. Um, too big. I saw you, uh, my Hawaii Star brother. Wars. Yeah, just Star Wars. Send it O'Reilly. Uh, big supporter. Send it O'Reilly. Um, uh, a friend of all of ours, personally. Um, so it's always good to see him in the chat. And then also Aman, thanks for stopping by. Uh, he does some amazing uh, podcasts. They do tons of podcasts, about a bunch of different things, but they have one that's uh, Star Wars specific, and they have a really good time uh, in there, too. So appreciate you uh, dropping by. And uh, um Kalani too. I uh, saw you jump in. So yeah, always uh, good to see you in the chat. And then you mentioned my Rebecca parents too. and Seth. Yeah, and your yeah, parents. I, I those. Yeah, yep. And then uh, my parents. Both my parents jumped in. So that was cool to see them. I'm glad Martinez they didn't tell family. any stories. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed <laughs> in that. But there's always the comment yeah. section of the video. Just I have yep. parents. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to write <laughs> any stories, I'm totally fine with it. Um, anyways, lastly, Rory. Uh, he is one of my best friends of all time. Don't get jealous, Tyler and Quentin, but he is uh, one of my best friends. Uh, him and his wife are very close to me and my wife. So, yeah, it was uh, super awesome. We've been wanting you to jump on the show for a long time because uh, we also are big Star Wars nerds. So, yeah, uh, thank you so much for jumping on, especially with COVID on top of everything else. But much love, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thank yeah, so much for having I definitely want to say thank you because you helped me uh... – you know, defend defend this movie against these two guys. Yeah, yeah you will. <laughs> Anytime and, and help join the dark side in defending this this <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, this is great. I loved it. Also, uh, if you are, if you guys we'll want to support us, uh, we have our Patreon there. Uh, we have a bunch of tiers and stuff you can do. We also join the Discord. Uh, we have a fun Discord. You just chat all things Star Wars, memes, everything. Okay, then... I have to say one more. My wife, <laughs> Lily, is also in the chat. And so 
the only real life love story that I care about and am as passionate <laughs> about as Han and Leia is mine. So I definitely can't miss my wife. I appreciate you. Thanks for letting me do this podcast because I love it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, also, I wanted to mention uh, for, for later, if any of you that are listening to the podcast version, we do do the show live at three o'clock on Mondays. Uh, it could change uh, here in the new future, but all those updates will be on our Twitter, which is also linked in the video description. All right. Well, Q, should we see if uh, Rory has been paying attention to our podcasts? Oh, no. I don't want to <laughs> test him. <laughs> Disconnect. Uh, <laughs> Just end it. I've been... <laughs> I've been tuning in occasionally, but I haven't okay. been I haven't been able to watch the whole thing most of the time. All right, well, I did watch Q. the entire last episode though. Okay, Q. Then how does how does Obi Wan say goodbye? No, what is no no no? That's not the question. The question is what does Obi Wan always say? Oh uh, yeah. Hello, okay. May the force uh, be with you, always. 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 always.